0: Look up, and there's a hexagon-shaped metal craft right above the tree. So it's got to be like 80 feet in the air. And this is low hum. It's like, boom, boom,
1: boom.
0: I'm like freaking out. I'm looking up. The craft is just slowly moving and it disappears and instantaneously reappears like a thousand feet away. And there's two other crafts there with it. So there's three crafts slowly just moving. At this point, I'm really like questioning, did I just hit my head so hard that I'm hallucinating? I run inside. My family is there. And I say, guys, you got to come outside. They said, why? I said, they're here. So two of my family members come outside. And
2: what are they saying to you as you're standing there?
0: They're amazed. The way that the whole thing ended was one of them disappeared, so there's now two of these UFOs with the lights spinning around. They're coming towards each other like this, and I'm thinking in my head, like, holy sh- they're gonna crash. They're coming towards each other, and the lights are spinning, and as soon as they're about to make contact and touch into each other, they just both vanish. The sky is completely clear, and it's over. And I'm just, like, mind blown. This is James Iondola. He's a
2: leading UFO researcher who's had thousands of encounters of the fifth kind. Today, he explains his story of personal experiences interfacing with UFOs. He explains the cia's covert operations dealing with remote viewing and non-human intelligence and reveals his personal conversations with former military personnel who have had direct contact with extraterrestrial spacecraft this combo is absolutely fascinating and james does an excellent job explaining to me who knows nothing about this everything i needed to know so i hope you enjoy it just as much as i did welcome to camp do aliens exist and can you explain to me your personal experience with non-human intelligence
0: yeah, so I mean, we say alien, and our our brain automatically jumps to what what is an an alien is. Most people think an alien is an extraterrestrial life form mm-hmm. because that's what is in our media, that's what's in our movies, and you know that might not necessarily be the case. When you know, even again, you say UFO, people automatically make the association to aliens, mm-hmm. right? So it's this kind of like if you're doing a vipassana meditation observation of tracking how your brain is interpreting what these words mean. Um, you know, what, what do we mean by when we say alien? So for, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be like, um, so drawn out about it, but I think this is a really important point is cause when we say alien, everybody is automatically assuming extraterrestrial and non-human intelligence especially those that are involved or represent the UFO subject might not necessarily be extraterrestrials, right? Mm -hmm. They could be interdimensional, extra dimensional, or they could be something that are, we don't have concepts for, so we don't even have the proper words or terminologies to create the concept that is the direct correlation of what are, you know, UFOs and aliens and anomalous phenomena. Yeah. Um, So, you know, do I think that, Humans are being engaged by non-human intelligence. Absolutely. As, you know, as we understand it, right? One of my friends, Exo Academian, would say uh, non-conventional human intelligence because if they happen to be uh, humans that are time traveling from the future or distant past or what have you, they are kind of humans in a way. Right.
2: Right. Yeah. Just because they're not in this time frame or whatever else. If they're a wormhole, however you want to explain it, it's not that they're less human. They're just not of our time. Right. And so we would be aliens to people 2,000 years ago. Right. Even though we're all human. Right. But I ask you that question intentionally because I think that most people think in sort of like a binary modality of, you know, are there gray beings on other planets or not? And within the UAP, UFO, anomalous community, I understand there's a lot of nuance when it comes to that question and that different people have different schools of thought when it comes to, you know, are these interdimensional beings? Are they time travelers? Are they uh, humans from a different planet that are coming over, all that kind of stuff? So I'm curious in your, do you have like a theory as far as like how you would try to think about aliens that's unlike what Hollywood portrays it to be?
0: I mean, there's there. if you dig deep into the research, there's people who have covered almost every type of theory you can imagine, uh, you know? And even even one, just to give an example, is, is the crypto terrestrial, or ultra terrestrial theory which is actually saying you know these are actually entities that have lived on earth for a long time and are highly advanced but they live hidden to us um and they try to pose themselves as extraterrestrial so we you know as a deception so we won't find them you know? hmm. and Mac tony is before he passed away wrote a book on that um
2: so what are some of the, inter- the theories that you think are m- most interesting to you obviously i don't think any one person has a singular answer where they say This is what it is. This is what everyone's experiencing. And this is the answer to all of our questions. But I know there's a lot of different theories. So are there a couple that you think are interesting and
0: a couple that you think are kind of silly that you don't necessarily subscribe to? So I'm going to contradict myself a little bit here. Okay. Because I'm going to say what we call the extraterrestrial hypothesis. The ETH is actually highly probable, right? And what is this? So the extraterrestrial hypothesis is that, yeah, aliens are from outer space somewhere. And they're using super advanced technology if they're a thousand or 10,000 or a million years ahead of us. And they're going from here to there. That's become unpopular uh, because it's not sexy anymore. You know, in the fifties, it was like really sexy, right? Like, oh my God, they're from Mars. Space and travel. Then and they were from farther away. Yeah, so nebulous
2: I, reticuli or
0: something like that. Yeah, Zeta reticuli it, yeah. and I mean, now it's everything. Octaurus and Pleiades Adelgeuse and all or, that, yeah. yeah. So I actually, I don't find that far-fetched at all. So I. You know, I think that's highly probable that some some of what we call UFOs and and UAP are pro- you know, probably extraterrestrial in some way, shape, or form. Um, but I personally, I really like um, what you can call like a extra dimensional hypothesis. You know, entities that are able to, you know not even able to their their nature transcends space time as we know it like 3d and even time Um, and they're able to interact with us in our in our reality even though they're coming from well I guess people would say like a higher frequency I don't understand that's what I'm saying it's like beyond what I can even comprehend Mm. would this be so much like
2: a a multiverse or or maybe like an alternate reality that
0: it's not even it's within our it's within our reality it's just phasing faster right like higher frequency vibration whatever you call it so we just we we just don't we're not built to perceive it right Mm -hmm. but they can still step down and interface with us through technology right you know and that's again uh you know i'm kind of getting out of my league to, to try to explain something like that but i think it's highly fascinating and if you look at all the different types of things that you know ufos and uap demonstrate it does seem like they are able to kind of bend our reality in different ways that, that we, we can't explain. So, right. And either way they have a, it it would seem that UFO intelligence or non-human intelligence has a way to manipulate our reality and and even our consciousness. And, and, you know, Probably, by matter of fact, because they are operating at a higher level
2: now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the reason you are drawn to that sort of explanation, maybe that uh altered reality explanation is due to your own personal experiences yeah, which is a very interesting piece of this that I'm excited to to hear about. Would you mind explaining to me in all the detail how you have started to experience these sort of phenomena and how you're continuing to sort of like create situations where you're able to continue the experience.
0: Right. Okay. So, you know, that's going to go back to even when I was a kid and um, you know, when I was a young kid, I had different types of what we can call metaphysical experiences. And the, the first, I guess you can say interaction with a uh, non-human intelligence was when I was a kid. And this happened several times Um, you know, I'm in my bed late at night and I hear it's almost like chat, like random chattering, right? I can't kind of decipher what it's saying at first and, but I hear it in my mind and I'm like, you know, getting up, looking kind of like what's going on. Like, is there something in the room with me? And roughly how old are you? Five, six. Okay. And all of a sudden I see kind of like, um, an entity that looks like a shadow, but it's it's glistening a little. And it's moving, and it's moving. It's moving, and as it's moving, it's, like, collapsing into, like, a dark orb. And as I see it, the first thing I hear is, he can see us. And there were three of these. And when I heard that, I freaking, like, I froze. Like, I'm panicking because I'm a little kid in, my, in a dark room, and... I couldn't disconnect my my mind from the from the voice, right? Because even when I when I'm listening to the, I can hear like random chattering, and even though I hear the, the chattering in the background, I that that message of you know he can see us was super direct. Even though there was still that chattering in the background, like if you ever saw that movie The Knowing with uh, Nicolas Cage, and uh, they they call him the Whisper People, like whoever did that, uh, they, they either are, are intuited that somehow. Or they knew from experience that kind of phenomenon. But you that. hadn't
2: seen that movie when this experience happened no, to No,
0: no, no. That movie didn't even exist. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the very first kind of interaction like that. And I just covered myself and heard it for a while. And I don't know if I went to sleep or whatever. And then I had several occurrences like that where I would wake up and I'd be in another room. And I, I don't know if that's sleepwalking or whatever it is. I don't want to speculate because I don't remember anything else other than that but um it scared the shit out of me and how long did that exact experience last like time-wise just a few minutes okay it was just a few minutes uh each time was just a few minutes it was never like 20 minutes or anything like that it was literally like like between two and you know 10 minutes maybe tops uh and but you know it's again i'm like so frightened in the experience that time is kind of distorted um but you know not not just that actually so also, when I was very young, I was having uh, sp- spontaneous out-of-body experiences, and um, just simple ones. You know, like you're laying down and you're kind of awake, and then you're you fall you're falling into sleep in a hypnagogic state, but you don't realize you fall asleep. Yet at, or at least I didn't at the point where I'm like because there was no lapse in my consciousness, I'm just laying down, kind of looking up at the ceiling, and all of a sudden I'm you know i I'm rising above myself and I'm looking down at myself and after like a few seconds, I'm like, holy shit, that's me and then boom, right back in my body, kind of thing um, so I had experiences like that and and because of those kind of experiences, I I was always interested in uh, UFOs and um, metaphysics and things like that. So I was always reading books and, and, you know, watching the late night, you know, UFO file shows on like Discovery and wherever they had them. Um, But yeah, interesting correlation. I I can't say that this is connected, but where I live, I live um, in the Hudson Valley. So there was a huge Hudson Valley UFO wave. During that time, and uh, you know, I didn't know this until I was older. But during that time period, there was one of the most famous UFO flaps in U.S. history called the Hudson Valley UFO wave. And Dr. J. Allen Hynek, before he passed away, co-authored a book on on the on the Hudson Valley UFO wave. Wow! Unbeknownst um, to you, you you were just right, a kid, yeah, obviously. Yeah. And did you tell your parents about these experiences? No, not these. Not these. No, no, I did not. Did um, you tell anyone? I I mean, I probably told my mom, and they're. You know, just like nightmare kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's never something I would bring up. And I have to state that at this time, you know, when these experiences were happening, I was not There's no connection. I wasn't tying this to the UFO phenomenon. Sure. It's just a weird thing that's happening. Right. I didn't know, like, honestly, like when the closest thing kind of to it was like if I was a kid and I I saw like a ghost kind of movie um, that was that seemed closer to it because I didn't have a concept of like non-human intelligence at five sure right i wasn't thinking about that and how Um,
2: frequently would these happen
0: so it happened uh, maybe a dozen times over the course of two years or so okay so every few months there'd be something like that
2: out of body and then shadowy figures and then out of body and it would kind of alternate.
0: yeah well the out-of-body stuff happened sporadically throughout my life that never really stopped uh it happened more frequently in like my teenage years actually for whatever reason um, I, I can speculate on to why that is, but um, could you speculate? What do you think that is? I, I, you know, I had a little bit of a rough childhood. So a lot of times I say trauma brings about these kind of experiences. Mm-hmm. And I would say that certainly correlates with my own story. Interesting. So um, because I, you know, when you have traumatic experiences, you kind of have to have a way to detach yourself from regular reality. And I guess that kind of, Makes sense you know because I'm, I'm into like you know obviously after years and stuff buddhism and meditation and all that is like very big in, in my own journey and stuff and that kind of it, it's very natural to me to detach that way interesting you know and i'm like i, I don't know if you can tell now but i'm highly introverted hmm no you know, I, I actually did, wouldn't build yeah, this to super i'm super introverted interesting yeah, for sure um and it's I think all that kind of plays into the whole thing.
2: Yeah. And I've heard, I mean, have you speculated that maybe it was like sleep paralysis, night terrors, like obviously you, I'm sure you've looked into that.
0: So I've had I've had all those things. I've had I've had those and I can distinguish the difference. I've How had, what is the difference? When, you know, when you're in a sleep paralysis, you can't move. Number one. When I was a kid, I was fully functioning conscious and I could you know, pull the covers over my head, hide things like that. Um, when you're in sleep paralysis, you're like trying to, you're trying to move, you know, and you can't really, you can move a little bit until you finally can break yourself out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, in the sleep paralysis, did you see anything when I had sleep paralysis? No, I mean one time, but I, I count that just as a sleep paralysis kind of thing.
2: And what did you see in that experience?
0: That was, I just, I saw a small entity, but again, I, I could, that could totally be, I don't, I don't, that's something if, if, in my own book, if I, if I can't distinguish, if I'm lucid, like awake or not, it's something I, I kind of just put it on the side and say, that's highly questionable. Right? Okay, so- I do, I do think that such things exist like sleep paralysis, hallucinations, you know, being in a hypnagogic state and, and seeing things that are not there or are a product of your mind. Uh, but that, that gets into a really, uh, hypothetical discussion on, um, are you perceiving different realms and realities, or, or is that literally just a figment of your imagination? Sure. Now, and, let's, w- and what's the difference? Now okay.
2: we can discard that because it's so questionable, and you can tell the difference between being lucid and being, you know, in a sleep paralysis state. Right. But what was that entity that you saw in the sleep paralysis?
0: Oh, it, it, so it was just like this. It, it almost looked like what we would call an alien, and um, it was very small, and it had the big eyes, uh, and it was, you know. It, It was just standing there, but there was another one where, (laughs) where it was on the ceiling looking down on me. And that one was a little freakier, but again, I, it's, it's so questionable to me that I, that's something I don't, I just kind of write it off and say, okay, that's, that's too questionable.
2: That's separate from these other experiences that are much more lucid. Yeah. And you can tell the difference because you've been in both. Yes. I see. Yeah. 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 And I've, I've heard people speculate when I, when I spoke with Jay, I started doing a little bit more research and obviously his experiences, um, were very sort of dramatic and intense, uh, just like full abduction and things like that. Right. And I started looking it up and I did research a little bit of like the trauma element, which I know is, is probably controversial within the community. Like, you know, some sure people have tried to write off your story and say, Oh, you're, you had trauma, um, from your childhood, whatever. So these things are a disassociation, right? How do you reconcile like that idea with your own journey?
0: I mean, I don't feel. You know, if if you want to get down to it on that, you you, you need science, right? Mm-hmm. Um, could that be determined? Uh, probably eventually. Um, so that's that's a, that's a really difficult question. Yeah, I I can only tell you what I experience and how I feel about it and what I think about it. Sure, I've c- definitely considered all those things. Sure. And on my best, you know, summation of everything. I know when I've experienced something that's legitimately going on i don't I don't have other kind of episodes like this in my life where I'm imagining different things right. like you know what I mean, especially um you know what I told you with my job is and everything. I'm very kind of like sharp and on stuff, highly observant right um so i you know i I think in my best estimation, I can determine the difference between such a thing,
2: yeah, and as you are getting older these experiences are becoming a little bit more intense. Is that fair to say?
0: So it's it's a lot of times for people who have these experiences, and, and me included in this, is it, it comes in waves. I mean, you know, some people have it more frequently than others, but a lot of times, you know, what we call, you know, an experiencer or somebody who experiences, you know, UFO encounters, but also other types of experiences. Um, kind of metaphysical experiences if you want to call it that some people won't even like you grouping those together and i understand why uh but um it's different for everybody at different stages of their life and for me uh it's it's been in waves so i've you know when i was younger obviously i had some strong waves and then I had another really strong wave when I was 20 years old that like slapped me into this whole thing and brought me to where I am now, basically. Um, but the it's, it's been periodic for me. Yeah. But again, you know, we talked before about, um, C five and close encounters of the fifth kind and actually being able to, uh, initiate these kind of encounters if you, if you would like to. And that, um, you know, that kind of, changes the the probability of them happening you know and that's participatory so it's not just it's happening to you now now you're part of the conversation of of that in a way Mm -hmm. um but you know be talking about when kind of like everything happened for me because you know i didn't want to gloss over this so when i was about 20 years old yeah i was 20 years old because it was 2007 so during that time is when i had like the, I guess like second really big wave in my life of encounters that that brought me here and that's why I created Engaging the Phenomenon and everything like that because, um you know, all of a sudden, you know, and, you know, during, mind you, during this time, I'm 20 years old, I've been interested in these subjects for a number of years, I've been reading books, I've been practicing meditation actually very diligently. Mm. When did <laughs> um, you start meditating? about 18 years old oh yeah cool. and i started with like chan which is kind of you know the chinese version of zen because i was doing martial arts okay and um what kind of martial arts did you do chinese martial arts okay cool you know loosely yeah yeah. Uh, dragon know, ball z shirt sure, bro that's how yeah, that's how it, that's how yeah, it started yeah <laughs> but I, I always loved the kind of eastern culture has always been a, a theme for me sure um to this day so uh you know spontaneously i guess you can say in 2007 I was working an overnight shift and the this guy I work with who's like super conservative and you know we talk say, hey, how's your family? How are you doing? kind of thing. Um, we I never had expressed to him any interest in, in these kind of topics. So he's just cleaning the area and he's like, Hey, did you hear about the UFOs in Mexico? And I'm like, first I think like is he joking with me or something, right? Like why is he why is he saying this to me? And I didn't hear about any kind of UFO event or sighting in Mexico. So I just kind of brushed it off and said, no, I didn't. And, you know, that was kind of that. So I finished my shift and I'm driving home. I go home and it's probably like 830 in the morning at this point uh, because it was an overnight shift and I went to sleep. And um, so when I'm sleeping, I have this crazy UFO dream, right? It's so in my dream. I'm driving, like, around the corner from where I live, and it's nighttime, and there's this, like, electrical orange plasma UFO 20 feet above my car or something, and maybe 15 or 20 feet, and I'm, like, kind of freaking out because I'm in the dream, and I'm super reactive, so all I'm thinking is, like, I gotta get away from this thing. I don't even know why I was thinking that. I was just, you know, so I start speeding, and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this thing just will not make any distance from me. There's nothing I can do. And I'm feeling these electrical pulses through my body and kind of freaking out. And then I just like snap out of the dream after like a few minutes, right? Two and a half minutes or something. And I'm, I wake up and it's like three 30 in the afternoon or so. And I'm like gathering myself, you know, you, you snap out of a dream. You're kind of like getting reoriented. And family member you know finishes they finished work whatever they come in the house and i'm i'm walking towards the door because i'm going to go out or whatever and they say to me hey did you hear about the ufos in mexico and i'm like you know screw this this is this is nonsense at this point right this is bullshit this is absolute nonsense um so I'm like, okay, I'm going to go down the street. I'm going to go to this Chinese place that's that I always go to and just get Chinese food and like cool off because this is this is too crazy right now. So I get in my car and I start driving. And I drive like a few hundred feet. And mind you, it's like 3.30 in the afternoon at this point. So I'm driving and, you know, right clear center of my view in a perfectly, you know, clear blue sky. I just see an orange fireball stationary. And I look at it and I'm like, holy shit, that's a UFO. And as soon as I think that, because I, I was thinking it like in my head, it starts to move. So I'm like freaking out at this point. Like, it, but I'm at this point, I'm elated, you know, and I'm like trying to chase this thing. And I, you know, I'm, I'm driving, you know, I went off course to from the Chinese place and I'm driving, trying to chase it. And it eventually just gets out of my view. But it, it was just this. It was a fireball, right? There was no trail, no nothing. And it was slowly gliding through the sky, and you know I haven't seen a f- any kind of fireballs like that in, in the <laughs> random blue skies. Yeah. It's not know, the like sun, that. right? No, <laughs> and um, so I was I was freaking out. But the, the the thing that hit me the hardest about that was, you know, not even not even the UFO. And this this is a very important point. It was not even the sighting of the UFO that happened in broad daylight that w- really hit me. It was the entire chain of events that occurred so, you know, serendipitously or synchronistically that the, the, and how it took place that like really smacked me um, because like what does that mean? How is that even possible? Like I could understand the idea of I see a UFO in the sky, but to, to, to think about and understand the, or the causation of how can this string of events happen in such a way? Right. How is that possible? Mm -hmm. Because you're not talking about just seeing some kind of like craft with entities in the sky or whatever it is. Right. You know, you have this whole I mean, was that intuited by me? Was that designed by the other intelligence? Was it, you know, designed by a higher intelligence than that? And that that gets into what uh, Dr. Jayon Hynek called high strangeness is just like a, a level of synchronicity that is ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. That there's, there's just no explanation for something like that.
2: Were you talking publicly on Twitter or Facebook no, no, or this anything? Is in
0: 2007. So at this point I'm completely in the closet. Um, my family members had known that I probably have an interest cause they see me reading the books and watching stuff, but I had not talked to even them about this yet, but we're, you know, we're going to get to that. Um, but no, this I wasn't even on social media at that point mm-hmm. um but this this was the first of of kind of like three events that happened in a row that kind of actually led me out and to get involved in social media and to create engaging the phenomenon and do everything that I do now so that that was kind of like this first event, and the the next event um happened. I want to say it's, you know, this all happened within probably, I want to say maybe two, three months. It's hard to, it's hard to really say cause I, you know, I didn't write the dates down at this time because mm-hmm. I wasn't, you know, first of all, it was all kind of crazy and I wasn't expecting, I didn't know what to expect and you know, everything kind of just happened. But, um, so the, the next event, um, which was probably again, maybe two, two and a half months later, is you know i was doing all these crazy shifts and um i was even working two jobs and so one morning i didn't i barely slept it's like one of those nights i tried to sleep i couldn't really sleep uh you know i was like in and out of sleep the whole night whatever and i decided i'm gonna go i'm gonna go for a drive i'm gonna go and uh you know go out just because i couldn't go to sleep so i ended up getting into this um this car accident and um you know the i get into this car accident where the car flips and hits a building and all this whoa like yeah did someone hit you no i fell asleep whoa yeah i fell asleep and um because of you know i was not i was not really sleeping well and so all of a sudden I you know again it's it's hard to kind of determine at what point I lost consciousness or was in this kind of altered consciousness state um but I had this experience which is kind of akin to a near death experience I I didn't actually die or was nowhere close to death but during the time I you know when it happened I I literally thought I was dead and I'm going to explain why but I you know I've come to call it a trauma induced out of body experience so all of a sudden you know, dur- you know, I guess during or after this this crash, I'm in front of this light being, right? And, uh, you know, I guess, you know, maybe somebody could would call it a light being or an angel or something. It, it didn't look like a typical angel. It looked like a light, a, a being made of light, kind of like almost it had a head and, you know, shoulders and arms and it tapered down. And it didn't really have legs.
2: Was it masculine or feminine?
0: It's definitely seen masculine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that because when I'm face to face with it and I hear this like beautiful, angelic, crystalline orchestra, that's like no sounds that can be made in this realm. It was like too, too glorious, too perfect, like heavenly. Right. Those are kind of like the words that come to mind. And when I'm face to face with this entity, I have this. Again, it's a sense that this entity and me are, there's no separation between us. Like, we're literally, it feels like we're one kind of thing. I don't, you know, I I have no words to really describe that. Um, And, you know, I'm not religious. And especially at this point, I'm kind of like counterculture kind of-ish, you know, like rebellious against religion. I'm doing like Zen meditation. Like, I don't need religion kind of thing. Were you raised religious? I went to CCD and all that i never took it really seriously that's christian
1: yeah catholic right
0: i'm a roman catholic (laughs) (laughs) um so my grandma was like super super like catholic Mm -hmm. she was super into it super spiritual like i appreciated her devotion and how seriously she took it but i just didn't believe um everything that i was told and i didn't like i didn't like being told what to believe and what to think i just did so that automatically made me question everything Mm -hmm. um so you know the reason i I bring that up is because while i hear this crystalline orchestra thing you have this light being entity in front of me and i hear this voice kind of like permeating through myself and reality um say god is all there is ever was and never will be And like, it feels like, it feels amazing, right? Like the sense of like pure love kind of thing. And, you know, just to retrospect it a bit, like, I don't, I don't think that it's talking about like the God that is, you know, like some God in heaven kind of thing. It didn't, that's not what it felt like, but those were the words that I heard, right? Um,
2: were they verbal or was it like almost telepathic where it just was communicated uh, to you?
0: It's, it seemed like both. It seemed like both. It's hard to, it's hard to take myself back there and really kind of distinguish the difference. But if I could say, I would say it it felt like both because I heard the like crystalline music, the angelic crystalline music. Like I I did hear it, Uh, but I also felt it. It was kind of like engulfing, right? It's overtaking you kind of thing. And it
2: felt good. The force was
0: (sighs) it felt incredible. And so right from that, it was like my reality like just completely reset. And from because I'm again I'm in front of this light entity and all this stuff is going on and the I can hear the music and I hear that message, right? And all of a sudden it's like my reality did a reboot. And all of a sudden I'm above the accident looking down on it. And when that happens, I'm thinking, so this is it, huh? Like listen, I'm literally thinking that I've passed away and I'm looking down at the accident. Now it's coming now like it's making sense to me. Like okay, I, I must be dead and I'm looking down at this accident. I see the ambulance and I see the car and I'm totally cool with it like totally fine like the term equanimity right like that kind of comes to mind Like, mm.
2: can you define that term
0: it's just like you're completely equalized right mm. you, you know you could say indifferent but there's another quality to it that's hard to explain um but i was just totally cool with it it was like totally like peaced out man just like this is fine and i have no regret no remorse there was no like i I didn't do this in my life it was just like all right and so um and kind of like while that's transitioning through that i had this thing where i saw like the past the present and the future kind of like in this i don't know how to call it not an orb or circle thing but i saw it in like three different sections and but they were happening at the same time um And, and, um, but then again, then I come to where I'm looking down at the whole thing and I'm totally cool with it. And all of a sudden I'm like, I do that thing where you shoot down again, boom, I'm back in my body. And I'm like, literally I come to waking consciousness and I'm like, holy shit, I'm alive. And I'm in the, um, the ambulance. Um, but I, I have to mention this because this I didn't realize this for years. Like, literally, I did not realize this until a few years ago. The point where I was looking down from uh, when I was up in the air looking down on the thing was the exact, like, pinpoint location where I saw the fireball.
2: Hmm. From the dream?
0: Yeah. No, from from when I saw the, the fireball in the sky. Oh, wow. Right? So, like... I you know that's that's like crazy because I didn't it, it took me so long to realize that but when I did I was like holy shit because that where I crashed it was it was the same location of where I saw the fireball in the sky you know after I had the dream when I woke up and went out and I was driving mm-hmm. and it was in broad daylight and I saw the the fireball in the sky that's exactly where my point of reference was when I was looking down at the accident so I, that blew my mind but that again it, it took me. I don't know how many years to, 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 realize that because I'd never thought about it in that way. And then one day when I was explaining the experience to somebody, um, it clicked. So that was, that was crazy.
2: What's up guys. we got to take a break really quick. Cause I need to tell you about some of the greatest vases in the game. Yeah. I'm sure you're wondering what vases. Yeah, that's right. We are sponsored by vases and this vase comes from freeze pipe. Mm-hmm. The freeze pipe vase might be the greatest vase ever invented, okay? Because with a normal vase, you're gonna breathe in and you're gonna be breathing in all that hot smoke. You got a flower in the vase, you're gonna be breathing in and it's just gonna be hot air going into your lungs. You're gonna cough, you feel terrible. This is what the vase looks like. It's one of the greatest vases I've ever used in my life. This vase, it has a glycerin chamber. If you put in the freezer for one hour, it'll decrease the temperature of the air coming out of the vase by 300 degrees. You know what that means? cold air feels amazing fills up your lungs you feel so good when you breathe in air from this vase you don't cough you don't feel bad anymore you can just take all the breaths of flour if you put that in the vase as you want and you'll feel amazing so if you're interested in checking out this vase or any of the other vases that they have on their website you could go to thefreezepipe.com and use the promo code gagnon that's right gagnon g-a-g-n-o-n and you will receive 10% off your entire order. This is one of the greatest vase websites I've ever been to. That's thefreezepipe.com, and use the promo code GAGNON for 10% off your entire order. Shop today and say goodbye to those gross old vases that make your lungs and throat hurt, all right? And get a vase that cares about you. Now, let's get back to the show. What was that feeling like remembering and saying, oh, wow, this place that I saw the fireball a few months later, I have the accent in the same place? Yeah,
0: I mean, it kind of like exhilarating. If that makes sense I was like it was exciting to me because I'm like, wait what it's like I found like a new piece of the puzzle mm-hmm. kind of thing um, so that was that was like fascinating to me and st- like even still thinking about it that boggles my mind what does that mean? I don't even know I don't I don't know what that means like you know a lot of this stuff right mm-hmm. we can try to make sense of it but
2: did you share with anyone when you saw the fireball? Not in the dream, but when you were driving. Yeah,
0: I called I, right after it happened. I called one of my friends and I'm telling them like, dude, you're not going to believe this. I saw this and this. And I told a few people, just a few very close friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I didn't they were like, OK, that's cool. They, you know, I mean, they believe me, but they didn't see it. So um, but this, you know, that was that whole thing that I just explained was the second kind of thing. So the the third thing about this, the the kind of third part of this series of events that kind of brought me to get involved in, 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 the UFO field publicly was the day after, you know, I'm released from the hospital and I'm just like trying to get back to normal life, I guess. And like from when that experience happened, the accident and the trauma induced out of body experience, like I had this feeling in my body that was different. Um, yeah, I physically felt different. Like, again, I don't like to use terms like this because it's I guess like there's so many attachments to what what they mean. But like I can feel like like high vibrational. Right. It felt like like a buzzing kind of quality. Did and, it feel good? Yeah. It felt like fantastic. Um, So I have that kind of feeling in my body just like now I'm not doing anything. It's just like that.
2: Which is a bit strange after a car accident to come out of the hospital and say, I feel amazing.
0: Yes. But at the same time, I was like, I, I'm like, I can't believe I'm alive. Like, I'm so grateful that I'm alive, right? I'm alive and I'm in this amazing world. Like, I, I could not be here right now. You know, I could, it could have easily went some other way and I'm just not here anymore and that's it.
2: And were there any injuries that you sustained from it?
0: Just a concussion, just because mm-hmm. I hit my head and I guess that's, <laughs> that might explain a lot. No, but, you know, I, I didn't have, I had no like... You know, injuries, other, you know, just like I was Internal a little bleeding, up. nothing like nothing that. Nothing like that. You know, I was a little banged up, but that's it.
2: And were you able to share any of the details from what you saw when you were above the accident to any of the, like, ambulance I or DMT? Didn't, I,
0: I was not thinking about any of that. I So I didn't. But, I mean, sh- the I know what the location looked like and, you know, where the ambulance was made sense and where the car actually was, was where the car was. I mean, could I have unconsciously perceived that? Possibly. Um,
2: But you didn't share any of the details and be like, guys, my car was flipped. And they're like, wait, how did you know? Like,
0: no, no. Because I, I mean, I was, they took me in the ambulance and I'm still like, you know. Yeah. Kind of like. Coming down
2: from just seeing this insane thing. Yeah. Past, present, and future all happening at once. This being.
0: Yeah. It was intense. I was not, I mean, I was like not, I wasn't, I mean, I had the experience and I wasn't thinking like, I'm going to share this with people. Sure. 'Cause at the time I'm like, what what just happened?
2: Yeah, you're trying to make sense of it. Yeah. And when you say you saw past, present, future, I know it's probably difficult to articulate what that is, because it's simultaneously a feeling and a knowledge that you sort of are ascertaining yeah. like in your being, like in your essence. Yeah. While also it's visualized in this orb. Yeah. What did the past look like and how did that like manifest? Is there a way to articulate oh, that? Wow.
0: It was crazy because it wasn't even just like my past. Like I was seeing things from my past, but I was seeing like you know what you would perceive as ancient stuff, so that it's to say, was it literal or is it an interpretation that I somehow intuited? That's like a, me trying to make sense of something. Sure, I'm whatever sure. it is,
2: I'm not looking yeah. at it from like scientific scrupulousness. Like right, this is right. sort of beyond science. This is yeah. your personal experience. Yeah. But in that experience, did it like what did the ancient things that you saw like? It was.
0: What... It was like I saw things like like landscapes and and. But, it was mixed in with parts of my past too. Mm-hmm. So, and so I guess you can say it was just like, uh, what do you call it? Like a time-lapse. Interesting. Right? So it, can you share some each, of the
2: specific things you saw?
0: Yeah. Like I, I saw things in my childhood. Um, I saw things in, so again, like the future, I, I don't really know what's going to go and uh, happen in the future, but it looked like future timeline stuff, like more technological world and stuff like that. And the present was, it was just like what was kind of going on in my life in, within like months and that month and year kind of thing. So, and and the past stuff again, it looked like things like planets and and suns and stars and stuff like forming, uh, if that makes sense. But it was and it was all time last and it was happening simultaneously. And I'm trying to take in everything at once. And I mean, while and while I was seeing everything and doing that. I mean in my own mind at least and my own perception it made sense like okay yeah I like I, I get what's happening right
2: and you now. knew what it was
0: right 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 I mean at least that's how I felt right um so whether that's like a construct or a representation I'm not sure right um, and any
2: of those future revelations that you saw or intuited
0: no it, I mean if I was just to look at it now I'd be like that's kind of just random right but when I was viewing it I, I like I knew okay that's yeah that's the future was
2: know? it tangible like could you see like Oh, the buildings look like this yes, or like, yeah, yeah. And what did they I mean, like?
0: almost, I mean, not to be so cliche, but it'll kind of look like the Sims, the Sims. What was that? Uh, Sims, um, that Sims game, like in the future. Yeah. 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 It kind of looked like that. Interesting. Right? Like I, I wouldn't say Star Trek, um, but kind of like that kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, like the way buildings look and everything were more rounded and like high tech. Mm-hmm. And I, I, again, I don't know if that's how things are actually going to look like. But it was at least a representation of like, oh, this is what the future is going to be like.
2: Were you in that future revelation?
0: I was watching everything. So, um, But you could
2: see yourself in the past and things from your own life.
0: Yeah, yeah. But even that, I was watching it. Right. You know, when when I was looking at it, I was not... I can see that's me, but I was not in it. Just like with all the time-lapse stuff, I'm just like observing everything. Did you have a physical body when you were looking at it? I did. I mean, I didn't even have that kind of point of... Like, I was... I was looking at it like it's in front of me. Sure. So, I, from my point of view, I was not in a body. It didn't feel like that. It didn't like look like I didn't see like this. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like a point of, um, almost like a point of perception. Interesting. You know, um, so that's how that looked. And again, I, could that just be like a representation? Uh, I don't know, but that's what the, the message felt like that, like this time is not linear and it's, it's simultaneously happening. And, you know, I can understand like the philosophy of that, but this kind of felt like it was a literal experience of that, even though I'm just observing it. Hmm. It was very, it seemed like that concept was made more tangible through that experience.
2: Sure. And were there any other notions from the past or the future that you thought were really poignant that stuck out to you that you were like, wow, I will never forget that thing that
0: I saw. No, not really. I mean, because it, it was happening so fast. Everything was kind of lapsing. So there was nothing that stood out in that way where I was that, like, taken by it. Right. I was just, like, trying to, at, you know, understand what's going on. I'm like, holy crap, yeah. <laughs> kind of thing.
2: So all that happens, go to the hospital. At the hospital, you're still trying to process exactly what's yeah. happening. Yeah. They're running tests. They're just making sure that you're okay. Yeah, scans, all that. And then you get discharged from the hospital the next day go home yeah and who's taking care of you at home just family
0: yeah i'm at my you know my my family's house and i i mean when i get out i'm walking and stuff i'm not like sure so i'm kind of just back in my normal life
2: feeling amazing yes grateful to be alive Yeah, have another shot
0: yeah that was the real thing like i was like i'm uh, i can't believe i'm alive like you know i really felt like had a second chance kind of thing Mm -hmm. that's i was really feeling that way
2: and just out of curiosity at this point obviously you're doing a lot of martial arts were you like dabbling in any type of like substances alcohol weed anything like that
0: um i I smoked and drank a little but not too much but no Um, like psychedelic
2: experiences or anything like that at this point no interesting
0: yeah and so this at this point i'm in my room and um, it's, it's, uh, you know, just whatever, you know, I go home and do everything and I'm kind of like living my normal life. But again, I feel this kind of elation, like 24 seven kind of thing, uh, like a buzzing in my body. And I'm just super grateful, like gratitude, you know, grateful to be alive. And at this point, I'm just like, I'm cleaning my room. Like, man, you know, like I, I'm just so happy to do this, this, <laughs> sure that I'm able to do this. Yeah. Right. And as I'm doing that, you know, it's probably like nine, nine 30 PM at night. And again, it's like the summer at this point. And all of a sudden I, I hear a voice, you know, it's, it's not just in my head. I can feel it, a sensation in my body, uh, you know, beyond just the buzzing say, come outside. And when I heard, when I heard the voice, say, come outside. Like I, for some, I automatically knew what's, what's happening. Like. So I, and I'll, I'll kind of explain what I'm going to explain. For some reason, I I knew what, what this is and this meant, but actually, as soon as I heard that voice, I hate to be so typical. And again, I don't know if this is a, like a representational thing, if I just thought this in my head, but I saw these two entities, right? Like a a male and female, you know, like what people call a Nordic, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes human looking alien or entity in kind of like, like it's kind of space suit, um, like a silver kind of tight suit. And it was like a silverish blue. And where, where were they? So I saw them in my mind. So this was like part of a telepathic download. People would call it, I guess. But I, I felt, I felt the voice in my body too. It wasn't just audible. And I, I, when it said, they said come outside. And it's, it's weird because I, again, I, you can call it a telepathic download. And it's just a way of me trying to exp- describe um, that I, there was more, there was more communicated than just those words. I got this whole kind of download about that they're related to us in some way and they care about us. And I'm fully open to the idea of this being a misinterpretation or even a form of manipulation. But at the, at the time I'm taking, I'm like, this is literal to me. This Mm -hmm. is like actually happening. And I'm not even quite this, this came that kind of retrospect and, you know, looking back at it came afterwards. But when, when this is happening, I'm taking, this is all very literal to me. So I believe that there's these entities in a ship outside waiting for me to come out there and that what their message is, you know? So I run outside and, you know, I get out the door, and I have to get past these trees, and I hear humming. And when I get past the trees, I look up, and there's, a, like, a hexagon-shaped metal craft right above uh, the trees. So it's got to be, like, 80 feet in the air, maybe 100 feet in the air. And, um, again, this is low hum. It's like, vroom, 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 like that. It's like a very, like, a low kind of bass. It's very bassy. And... I'm like freaking out. I'm like, Oh my God, this is again, this felt amazing. Um, again, part of the download, as soon as I got the download or con- there was a the connection between my consciousness and, and you know, their consciousness, if, if that actually happened in that way, if you can describe it that way, mm-hmm. um, I was like super elated and I thought this was so incredible and I'm like running, I get down the stairs and I'm looking up and it's just, the, the craft is just slowly moving and it disappears and instantaneously reappears like a thousand feet away. And, oh, you know, I forgot to mention when I, when I looked up, like you see the different color lights are all around it, like blue, yellow, green, white, kind of swirling around. And in the center, there was like a fixture. There was a perfect square of white light. Um, and like, I could have hit this thing with a rock. That's how low this thing was um but when it it disappeared and then reappeared and then when i looked to because i I was i was looking at it and then when it reappeared i'm looking now across the street over the lake where it was this man-made lake and there's two other crafts there with it so there's three crafts that have the lights like spinning around it like this and i'm just um yeah
2: it like this shape
0: sort of it was it was like a hexagon Hmm. so it had f- like flat parts of it but the edges were rounded so there weren't sharp edges there were hmm. rounded edges and uh, i mean th- that the one i saw up close the other so when it disappeared and reappeared assuming it's the same craft fr- from that distance i could not see the, sh- the form of it as as good as i did when it was right above me but they all looked identical and it was like a dark, dark, dark gray. It wasn't, it didn't seem quite black, but it was, it was nighttime at like nine, nine thirty PM. Um, so that was, um, so at the point where now I'm looking and I see three of them and the lights are spinning around and they're just like slowly just moving, you know, they're not hovering. They're slowly just moving. And at this point I'm really like questioning, did I just hit my head so hard that I'm this is I'm I'm this is I'm like hallucinating this I'm starting to really question my my reality at this point like am I actually seeing this is This is actually happening, so I run inside and um, my family is there and I say I get I said guys you got to come outside They said why I said they're here and they said who's here I said just come outside So two of my family members come outside. And they see these, you know, the objects are moving slow. The lights are spinning all around them. And I'm I'm thinking, like, this is disclosure, right? I didn't have the term for that at the time. Um, but I'm thinking, like, the, the, for some reason, I'm thinking, like, the entire world knows this event is happening to me. And, like, this is going to be all over the papers tomorrow because there's these crafts in the sky. And everybody has to be seeing this. Like, it, there, I'm not even, like, it's a given to me. So I'm, like, you know, blown away. And this whole thing kind of like demonstration of these crafts, just kind of like moving around with the light spinning around happened for maybe 20, 25 minutes. Wow. And the way it, yeah. And this whole time I'm like, this is, you know, this is crazy. This is all real. And, and everybody's going to know about this. And
2: you're with two family members. Yes. That were not in the car accident. Right. That had, had they ever seen anything like this before?
0: I found out many years later that, um, one of my family members had seen, um, uh, uh, ufo some years ago um but not like it didn't look like this and it was kind of a random thing um was, you know random kind of who knows right uh is there a connection to that i don't know
2: and what are they saying to you as you're standing there looking over the lake seeing these three they're, they're
0: like amazed they're amazed like they they can tell there's something like yeah like this is happening and this is like not ordinary kind of thing
2: and is there a conversation are they asking you what it
0: is are you asking them i no, but I'm I'm saying like you see that right? You see that, and they're like yeah yeah, and we're just kind of staring at it right the whole time, and I'm I'm just like oh my god, you know, kind of just talking to myself a little bit I guess, and um, the way that the whole thing ended was that they one of them disappeared, so there's now two of these UFOs with the lights spinning around, and they're coming they're coming towards each other like this. And I'm thinking in my head, like, holy shit, these, you know, they're gonna crash, because they're coming towards each other, and the lights are spinning. And as soon as like they're they're about to make contact and like make contact and touch into each other, they just both vanished, and the light, the sky is completely clear, and it's over. It's just over like that, just in one instant, it's done. And I'm just like mind blown, right? And I mean, thank God that my family members saw it, because like if they didn't. I don't know. I don't know if I would have ever talked about it, and I don't know if I would have even believed myself. Like I, I was questioning my my reality too hard until until somebody else actually saw it. So I, I don't know if I would have been able to confirm that that something actually did occur. Were like, you scared that, in that experience? I, you know, this it's kind of weird because the. Uh, the feeling that I felt the day before of kind of like really like kind of love and bliss and kind of everything. It was like, it was like that. And I, you know, I didn't even mention like what, as soon as I had that connection download kind of thing, I had like a full blown Kundalini awakening experience. Like my, fi- my entire body felt like electrified and you know, what people call like a Kundalini experience, like that kind of thing, like al- like high levels of elation, um, and bliss and and things like that, but that that there's physical components to right, like you feel all electrified in your body. Um, it was very much like that. So, and when you
2: describe those two beings that appeared to you, right, sort of in your consciousness while you're still inside your room, yes. you describe them as like Norse, Nordic. Nordic,
0: yeah. I mean, in the UFO literature, they're called people call them Nordics. Some people say, oh, these are Pleiadians, and. I, to this day, I mean, again, because at this point, I'm taking this literally, mm-hmm. but really, and, I, you know, as part of my meditation practice and contemplation, like Vichara practice, inquiry practice, I, you know, I really began to wonder, again, not, you know, this was years later, like, you know, was that just a representation or was it literal? And I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And again, or was it some kind of manipulation? I don't know. But if it, it felt literal at the time, but the the more I really kind of wonder about it and contemplate on it, the more I kind of think it was some kind of representation and not, you know, yes, there was some kind of other intelligence interacting with me, but they were interacting with me in a way that I could handle and understand kind of thing.
2: And as you're experiencing them, I know it might be difficult to verbalize cuz you're in your room in a physical reality. Right but then these things are visually appearing to you yeah. in your consciousness. Yes. Is there a way to describe it in the way that like, I'm talking to you now, would the Nordic be next to you or is it almost like,
0: no, it was like, a, again, and, and and maybe this is, says something about how I was seeing the past, the present and the future at the same time for some, some way I was able to perceive both simultaneously. Hmm. And uh, there's no way I can describe that other than, than saying it like, so that, it's simultaneously
2: literally. visual, but outside of, or yes, concurrent yeah. with your present reality. Yeah,
0: because I was when I was looking around, I was looking here, but it was it's overlaid in my mind, but visually, right? You know, and I now, don't have you have, ever
2: seen these beings before, like those beings specifically.
0: It's hard. I I have to be honest and say that's hard to say because it is within the UFO literature, and at that point, I don't know if I had come across that. It wouldn't be a stretch to say that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, so. And again, that's the the more I think about it, the more I think it in some way that it was representational and not literal. Although, you know, people, people, you know, will say those are literal beings and they they might be right. I don't know, but they were not tangibly there. They didn't shake my hand. So I, I can't commit to the idea that they were literal beings in the sense that that's what they look like.
2: Um, and when you d- you mentioned manipulation. In what way could those beings have been manipulation as it relates to UFO literature?
0: So when I say that is because, you know, the UFO intelligence, the way it seems like they can interact with you telepathically, it, you know, um, they can potentially make you see things, right? Uh, make you feel things. So it, it really depends on your your kind of, perspective of is this a manipulation or is it literal or is it representational and and what i mean by that is you know it's you know to kind of give a perspective there's something that came out when when the atip uh program was revealed the secret you know advanced aerospace threat identification program was outed in 2017 with Leslie Kane, Ralph Blumenthal, and Helene Cooper, they wrote the New York Times article that broke open the whole story that, yes, actually, the UFO, uh, The United States government has uh, a, a Pentagon program that is investigating UFOs. So when that story broke, eventually, you know, <laughs> One of my friends, I'll call him Twitter user J, that's what we all called him, <laughs> he was able to kind of sleuth online and, and through Christopher Mellon's website, he got access to these crazy slides that were not supposed to be made public. There were DOD briefing slides for, like, closed briefings, basically.
2: These are Department of Defense
0: private were, slides. Yeah, they were for ATIP, for the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program.
2: And And what were on these slides that he was able to uncover?
0: Right. So one of them was Lou Elizondo's le- resignation letter. And who's that? Lou he was the director of the program. And there's a lot of controversy as saying, oh, was he was he the was he the actual director? I'm not going to get into that. I'm going to say all the, everything that happens that has happened since then speaks for itself. I believe Lou is who he says he was, and he he did direct the program after the other program OSAP ended, Lou took over. Um but that's, that's kind of, that's, that's the whole thing. And it's speculative. Yeah. um, Well, no, that, that is what I believe happened, but also was another program and that's almost like a whole nother podcast. Hmm. But in the briefing slides, there's something called slide nine, right? It's been infamously called slide nine. Again, my, my friend, Twitter user, Jay actually wrote an excellent article and I think he did a short video on it. I think his website, if it's still up, is called the mind sublime. And if you type in like the slide, you know, UFO slide nine, this is going to come up. And on that slide, it's talking about different capabilities that were observed by the Department of Defense that UFOs or UAP have. And stuff is on there like able to to penetrate solid surfaces like, good, you know, so UAPs, these are different capabilities that have. They can go through objects like they can go through solid objects there's something on there and very important called cognitive human interface, which is kind of like ce five actually Lua Lozando himself stated that correlation when I interviewed him on my channel. But one of the really interesting things on there and kind of alarming things is saying that, you know, the UFO intelligence has the ability to manipulate uh, leaders, right? Like, and it says on there like psychotronics and psychotronic weapons. Like, so based on the DOD's investigation, you, the UFO phenomenon has the ability to influence people's thoughts and minds, basically. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you can look at that in different ways. Some people are all like kind of love and light and they think it's all good. And I can, under, from the experiences, so for, for so, from some of the experiences I had, I can understand that because it felt like the, the experience that I had uh, with those entities seemed like, Especially if I take it literally, right? It was amazing, right? It it was it felt super positive. Um, but is that me just perceiving it that way because I'm meant to, right? Was it, am I being manipulated? I don't know. Um, but so that briefing slide is talking about those different kind of capabilities. So that's why I say manipulation because uh, the Pentagon, the Depart- Department of Defense, and people in the intelligence community are definitely wary of that you know, seemingly observed capability that UFO intelligence has at its disposal, right? Because if we're we're dealing with an advanced intelligence, that's like, you know, super advanced, you know, how, how could we tell the difference? Right. And how did this person get access to these slides? They were, <laughs> I don't want to get him in trouble, anybody in trouble, but sure. they, they were on Christopher Mellon's website and I don't think it was, they were meant to be, but he, and he didn't do anything illegal. He, you know he didn't he just went on the website and and went through all the stuff and found them quickly downloaded them he he <laughs> and then you know they were up on twitter for a minute and they were and then we were all like you know this we probably shouldn't put this out there cuz we don't want to compromise any initiatives that are going on and like somehow this is going to hurt what progress that's being made sure so he ended up pulling some of them down well the, the ones that were really pulled down is In within those files was the Tic Tac investigative report on the Tic Tac UFO that happened in two thousand four, and it and it listed people's like names and and contact information. And we're like, nah, we can't. We got to pull that because I think when he saw everything, he was just like, throw it up before it disappears. Right, right. And then when we saw that, we're like, "Uh, no, let's pull that because we don't want people like, you know being compromised or getting contacted and their information out there of course
2: and now this is on christopher mellon's site yeah and who was that
0: oh oh wow christopher mellon he was at, at uh, our last conference mm. um so i, I the t- the title always is like crazy he's he was like super high in intelligence so i forget the exact title that he held but it was like um the assistant secretary for intelligence for the senate you know, oh, wow. So
2: he was yeah, working within the government super, at the time.
0: Super. No, he had. He retired at this point, but he came out in 2017 with To the Stars Academy as somebody trying to push this forward. But, you know, obviously he has a lot of weight um, to pull. Um, and, you know, he's part of the Mellon family. They're like one of the richest families in the United States. does like
2: Carnegie Mellon? Yeah. Hmm.
0: So they're like. You know he's a super influential person he has connections in the government he served under clinton and bush
2: have you ever spoke with him about why these slides were on his website
0: i didn't ask him that i i, I think he may have addressed it at one point but i'm i'm assuming that he was he had them there to get give somebody access to them um are they still on his site? No, that no. They were taken down the next day. They, wow. they were. It was gone. Like as soon as we got it, you know, it was out in the public. Uh, it was ta- everything was down. Everything was taken down, and that's where we're like, oh my god, because again, Lou Elizondo's resignation letter was in there too.
2: Right, and that certainly should be private, or or was supposed. to it be It was private.
0: actually eventually made public again by uh, I believe it was George Knapp hmm. reported on it, and and made it public officially. But it was it, it was not supposed to come out in the way that it came out. Unless it was intentionally planted there for somebody to find and sleuth out, right? right. I don't know.
2: So when you say manipulation in relate in relation to your own experience, perhaps these entities, as we know, can manipulate people through slide nine, and, right? And through, that's why you bring that through up through what's
0: discussed in that, yeah. Uh, and I mean, you can go into so many directions with that because you know even what what we call religion. Right, it could that have been a design by non human intelligence interacting with humanity thousands of years ago, right?
2: Well, I mean, religious people would say, Yeah, it was non human intelligence, like if it is, it is. there's the thing, but it's
0: it's non human intelligence, but it's not aliens, it can't be right because they're they're not spiritual entities, right? Unless, yeah, and then there are always demons, or you know, right? So, anytime you bring religion to the mix, it has these weighted beliefs, right? Yeah, of course, and I understand why. But I think you need to bring a broader lens to it and say, like, hold on, wait a second. You know, could this be? Are we talking about the same thing here?
2: What's up, guys? We're gonna take a break really quick because I have to tell you about an amazing new device called Fume. That's right, Fume. If you haven't heard of it, now you have. Fume is effectively flavored air. It's one of my favorite ways to de-stress. If you know me, you know I don't like to pick up bad habits, and fume takes the bad out of the habit, okay? Instead of electronics, fume is completely natural. Instead of vapor, fume uses flavored air. And instead of harmful chemicals, fume uses all natural, delicious flavors. I love the mint flavor. You take a deep breath. And the fume just feels amazing. It's a great way to de-stress. It makes you feel relaxed. And it's just a great way to even just like fidget while you're sitting in your chair. It just has a cool little like bamboo knob. It's awesome. I love the fume. It just looks cool. It's super discreet. It goes in my pocket, through my backpack. I can have it at the airport. It's not a problem anywhere I go. And it just looks cool. It's fun to have. So let me just say this. Stopping something is difficult. It's hard to do. And that's why people put it off for a long time. But switching to fume is easy, enjoyable, and even fun. It really calms my anxiety and is a great way to de-stress. Fume has served over 100,000 customers and has thousands of success stories, and there's no reason that you can't be another one. Join Fume in accelerating humanity's breakup from destructive habits by picking up the journey pack. That's right. This is what I want you to do. You can go to tryfume, that's T-R-Y-F-U-M.com, and use the promo code GAGNON, G-A-G-N-O-N, the promo code GAGNON, and you will save 10% off when you get the journey pack. That's Trifume, try f u m dot and use the promo code Gagnon G A G N O N to save an additional ten percent off your order. Kick the bad habits. Take the bad out of the habit. Take a deep breath of basically flavored air that'll make you feel amazing. Take out the anxiety in your day and make you feel more relaxed. Now let's get back to the show. So before we get deeper into those documents, right. you see these these craft basically touch disappear. Yeah, before they disappear. Is there any movement from the trees? Is it cascading light onto the trees? This
0: this was above uh, a man made lake, mm-hmm. and they were. I'm trying to say like when they disappeared and reappeared, they're probably like a thousand feet. I'm I'm guessing. I sure. don't really know. So, but across the lake, yeah, they had to be at at, at the least a thousand feet away, twelve hundred feet away, and they're over the lake. From from that, I don't. I don't I was honestly I was just staring at them. I was not looking down at the mm-hmm. water or anything. So I don't I don't know if there was light reflecting off the water.
2: When it was closer to you, did you feel any sensation other than the vibration?
0: Well, I I I felt the vi I felt like I was having the kundalini type right thing throughout so it's my in whole you. body. Right. So but I, you don't feel wind necessarily? No, not wind, but I felt the base kind of thing I felt, but I felt it through my whole body too. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's part mm-hmm. of the kundalini thing or literally some kind of effect from the craft itself right but it definitely when it was like humming like that i felt it you know like in in correlation with the sound
2: and then it goes away yeah. and then you're just standing there with your family members yeah were they older than you younger than you older and you look at them and you just go that was weird what is the immediate conversation
0: i I was i was a lot more excited than that i was you know just like mind-blown you know, saying, (laughs) cursing a little and just like talking very excited and kind of in disbelief. And we were just like, that actually happened. This, like, you saw that, right? Kind of, that's, that was kind of like the conversation.
2: And then you go inside, are they asking you
0: questions? Huh? They, uh, they, they did ask me what it was. And I, I was just like, it's a UFO. You know, that's, I didn't tell them about, um, the entities I saw in my mind because I, th- I thought you know I don't know I just didn't tell them about that I because I, 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 I actually didn't talk about that part uh, for a number of years with anybody because I just I wasn't sure if I was imagining that or, or what um, mm-hmm. and I was kind of like I don't, I don't know I was at that point I was not really open about everything like I didn't um, I shared that experience with a few people and Although I can tell they took me seriously, they're looking at me with the expectation on their face. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to say I'm kidding. Like that's the look on their face and that kind of hurt me. Um,
2: sure. I mean, you experienced something so real yeah. and then for people to look at you and be like,
0: are you crazy? No, like it's very like, dismissive. I can see they're looking at me and they, they, they were not like upset with me that it's not. There was like a major cognitive dissonance thing going on because I could see, and they're they're trying to make sense of what I'm saying, and like um, the the thing, like I and I had the feeling that they're waiting for me to tell them like ha I'm kidding, mm-hmm. or they're they're trying to assess out like is he exaggerating? I can see like this, the the puzzled look, like them trying to make sense of what you know you know, and obviously they're they're they take me as a serious person but they, I could see that it was too much. It was too much. And after that, I'm, I just, I really, I didn't tell anybody for a long time.
2: Did it strain some of those relationships?
0: No, it actually didn't. Um, That's good. one, one of the people that I told totally took it to the bank and like actually they you know and that's somebody that ended up going out and doing like ce5s and stuff with me um so but one of the other people i mean and this this person's like into like they were doing martial arts with me at the same martial arts place um they're into meditation like we would do meditations together and stuff and but i could see he was like bewildered Hmm. like it was too much it was too much and yeah, I can like I think like he wanted to believe me, but it didn't make sense to be that in his mind. It was a literal thing. That's that's I mean, I could be wrong about that. But and but let me tell you, like several years later, he ended up having an experience with me during C5 where this golden craft came right above the group, like a thousand feet <laughs> over us. And it he had the same kind of like, oh, my God, kind of elation thing. And at that point, I can tell he understood.
1: Of course.
2: Yeah. But that was years later. Unless you experience it, I don't really think there's a way you can understand it at the same level.
0: Right. And that's a really important point because during that, that experience I realized um, that I could, I could never explain this to somebody and have it make sense where it has that, what ended up being for me, a transformative quality to it because these, these events, they changed me. I was not, not the same person. Um,
2: yeah, I feel like it's like trying to explain a dream to someone like I had a nightmare that was really scary and I tell it to you and you're like, oh, it doesn't sound that scary. But it's like For, if, if you experienced the way that I felt in the moment and, yeah. and could like it's, transport that feeling, you would understand a
0: strong, a strong kind of metaphor or so, Yeah, to me is like or analogy is you can tell somebody what it's like to be a parent. <laughs> and you know they can you can they can intellectually grasp like i get that i get that i get that but when you're a parent it's like you know you know right it hits you deeper
2: it's fundamental it's
0: the only way it could hit you you know and so that's because of those experiences that's how i ended up getting into ce5 which is the close encounters of the fifth kind which is ultimately can you initiate an experience and have a ufo encounter um, which intentionally I, intentionally yeah you're going out and you're like I want to see a UFO but again your attitude can't be so so much like that It has to be I mean again it, it could I guess but the deeper you're kind of the more serious you're taking it uh, I think the more likely it's going to occur that you're going to have some kind of interaction on whatever level and obviously that's out of our control the UFO phenomenon is the one that's going to end up calling the shots and determine what such an encounter is going to entail.
2: Mhm. Now did any of your family members that saw it with you in that one specific instance did they feel any sensation in their bodies Honestly, in the way you did?
0: I did not ask them. I even to this day I didn't really ask them that. Um I I talked to them a few times about it afterwards for sure. Um and that's not even the only event that they witnessed because when I ended up getting into the CE5 we uh in 2010 or 2011 I, was, I, th- I believe it's 2011, actually, if I think about the date. So this is going to be, that's four years later. At that point, I'm doing CE5 for a number of years. and um, Are you having
2: experiences in those CE5 yeah. sessions? Is that what you would call it, a session? You can
0: call it a session. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, We call it outings or you know, CE5 field work.
2: And how do you get involved in that from this experience? Like okay. you go to sleep that night. I can't imagine that's like a normal night, right?
0: I didn't go to sleep early then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? I probably, yeah, I was up for a long time. And I, I I I called up some of my friends and told them what happened. And, you know, they, uh, they were like, oh, that's cool and all this. But
2: were you surprised the next day to wake up and it's not national news?
0: Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I was kind of, like, disappointed. Were you like, asking I mean, neighbors and stuff? Like, uh, I wasn't asking neighbors, but I was, like, looking in all, like, the papers, even the local paper, because I figured it's – if anywhere, it has to be in the local paper, uh, which they always had at this Joe Cameras place that was back there. Um,
2: but nothing, nothing showed up? I
0: never heard anything about it, and I was, like – I was kind of disappointed in that because I fig- I literally figured it would have been all over the news, but at the same time, I – I almost didn't care because I had the experience. Right. Yeah. As selfish as that sounds, it was it was so incredible. And
2: did you ever end up looking into the UFO experience in Mexico that both of those people had mentioned to you?
0: I looked and I I didn't find anything. As silly as that sounds, but even that um, is
2: is is strange. Like, yeah, I know, I know. But, but I, contributing to the overall bizarre series of events. Did yeah. you ever follow up with like your coworker that brought it up to you, your family member? Like, hey, where did you hear about this?
0: I didn't know because at that time, it it was so much that I wasn't thinking of those questions. Mm -hmm. The coworker, I didn't even want to ask because he didn't know I was into those things. And I didn't want to even talk about those subjects with him because at that time, I was like super private about it. Mm -hmm. Um, So are you
2: are you still questioning your reality at this point? I know you had mentioned like when you're seeing sort of like these Nordics, like you're starting to start of the question like, okay, is, am I experiencing reality in the same way? Did you ever consider like reaching out to a psychologist? Were you concerned about your own present state or nah, were you just ex- excited because you had the experience?
0: I was super excited, but I was also kind of like, even a well, at that point, even a well-seasoned meditation practitioner. And, uh, you know, I, I felt like I had a strong thing, kind of grasp on reality. And I, I know the experiences that I had, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't, I wasn't having again. I wasn't having other random episodes that didn't make sense. Right. So I, I wasn't really questioning my sanity. Mm-hmm. Other than in in the in the point when the interaction thing was going on, and I'm like, is this actually physically here or not? I think the confirmation, kind of or validation from my family member seeing it was enough for me to say, okay, there's some there's something real that's physical. And not imaginary going on here.
2: And you're aware that not everyone else can experience it at the same time.
0: Well, I mean, again, I don't, I, I don't know because there could have been other people that saw it that didn't report it. I don't know. Sure, I don't. It's it's hard to say that other people had you know definitely didn't see it or couldn't. I don't know. I mean, at the same time, you know, could the UFO phenomenon direct an experience towards people? That definitely seems to be the case. And then when we're getting to slide nine, mm-hmm. and there's you know kind of like disperse articles on that you know or you know is it just a higher probability that these individuals that certain individuals are are you know have an inclination to have such an experience um but it it was because of those experiences that i got into the ce5 because i realized that you know you can't just explain this to somebody and And have them understand it, you have to kind of have the experience of right course. and otherwise it's there's no kind of transformative quality to it and I mean at that point i was very i was kind of very gung ho about that which i'm 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 not in the same way anymore mm-hmm. um because you know when you're kind of in the whole thing, it's just like. I don't know, it's like you're on a roller coaster ride and it's amazing. And I'm not, you know, there's no breaks. You know, it's just, you're in it.
2: And you have the spiritual experience. Like, yeah, you're not gonna be constantly like fact-checking. Like anyone that I know that has had like a dramatic spiritual experience, whether it's through meditation or psychedelics or anything like that, there's not an immediate attempt to confirm it externally. You're just excited because you have the feeling, you have the adrenaline, you have whatever's going on physiologically to say, I experienced something real. And it happened to me.
0: Well, I mean, also what I'm trying to say is, you know, so from that point, I found, I found the CE5 work, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. And the reason I found that is because on YouTube, I found a Disclosure Project. And what's that? Which is, you know, it was led by somebody called Dr. Stephen Greer. And in 2001, he had a bunch of... uh, Military witnesses, you know, military intelligence and corporate contractors that worked in the Defense Department. And. In uh, May 9th, 2001, there was a press conference held in Washington, D.C., where all these witnesses for maybe two or three hours gave their testimony of their firsthand or secondhand experience with ufos and the ufo cover-up so this was a really at the time this is nothing like this had ever occurred so this was like groundbreaking for the time
2: right and that's documented on record this
0: happened yeah it's you go on it's on youtube yeah Yeah. you just type in disclosure project press club conference and it will come up and so um you know it's it's you're, you're hearing amazing testimony and you know just a disclaimer for people I don't think every witness there was above board, so to speak. Some of the testimony is questionable, you know, make your own determination, but some of them definitely seemed hundred percent legitimate, especially John Callahan. And that's, yeah, that's the whole thing right there. But look up his testimony.
2: Can you share just a piece of what that oh, was? He
0: was like the second guy in like the FAA. And in 1986, there was the Japanese airline, uh, UFO incident. Um, uh, and um, I think it was by Alaska, and it was a Japanese airline. And there was this tremendous UFO that was seen by by the pilot and by the people on the plane, and on radar. And it was like blipping in and out, like it was over here, and then another second, it was boom, it rematerialized like over here in a different location. And they tracked this whole incident on radar for I, I forget how long, maybe like twenty or thirty minutes. And John Callahan was, I think he was like the number two guy in the FAA at the time or something like he was a very high ranking guy. And everybody's calling him, hey, saying, what's going on with this UFO incident? So he goes and looks up all the data that they collected in the FAA about it. And there's just a tremendous amount of data that they got on it. So he was called in to, I think it was the, the presidential like scientific Board or something there was some um, Scientific Advisory board for the president that He was brought into and There was like he said There was like two or three people from the CIA There was somebody else from the NSA And there were some Scientists there and they went Over all the data they told him to bring all the data And they were like this is amazing We never tracked a UFO on radar For this long before Um, And So there they're looking at all this data and they told him to bring it. And he's like, so you're going to, this is going to, you know, you're going to tell people about this. Right. And they're like, no, you know, people aren't going to understand it. It's too much for them to handle kind of thing. So somebody at the meeting swore everybody to secrecy. And kind of, that was that except that they didn't know that John Callahan brought copies. So he had all the firsthand information radar tracks and all the information. And when he retired, he took it with him. And so around that time in the late nineties or, you know, early two thousands to 2001, he came forward and, and shared all the information. So, and like that at there's witnesses that had, that had testimony that you can't really validate. This is a hundred percent above board. There's no question that this incident happened. The pilot was, you know, they made him, they took him off flight status, even though this event occurred and there was proof for it. Um, that was later corrected, I think, years later, thanks to Richard Haynes and others um, who vetted for him that this event actually happened.
2: And what was the name of that event again?
0: Uh, if you type in, like, UFO Alaskan Airline or Japanese, yeah, I think Alaskan Airline or Japanese Airline. Mm-hmm. But if you type in John Callahan and you hear his testimony, it's going to give you all the information on it.
2: And to this day... Because like, obviously the first thought I think a lot of people have is like, oh, military aircraft from a different military Russian that people right. don't know about. And yeah. that's why I was able to do that. But this happened in the 80s. 86, yeah. And to this day, is there any type of aircraft that could move at the rate that this one did based off the radar?
0: I'm I'm not an expert in that, but I would say no. Because the way that you hear him describe it, it's like disappearing and then completely reappearing somewhere else. And it's a huge, it's a huge
2: craft. Did he describe the shape?
0: <sighs> I'm not sure. I don't recall. Mm-hmm. But it, was it Tic Tac or saucer I don't, I don't, I don't know. Okay. I, don't, I don't recall honestly because the last time I went over that information was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, that's know. when you were just getting into it. Well, I, you know, this. So I, I've, I've reviewed it a few times since, but there's just so, so many cases that I don't remember if they say the shape of it. Yeah. But the radar tracks are there a million percent. And you can tell about the approximate size of the craft, and it wow. was big.
2: And this is all disclosed in 2001.
0: Right. I mean, it might have been reported on shortly before that, but it it came out in a very big way with his testimony in 2001.
2: And so you start researching this through YouTube, you start seeing these things and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, this is similar to my experience.
0: Well, so the relevance to this is that after I had those experiences in 2007, I'm like, you know, I was already researching and stuff, but now I'm like, this is a life mission for me. Like I, I, at this point I have to. It's, it's a, again, it's like a life mission or duty for me. Like, I, I, I describe it in a way, and again, is this a manipulation? I don't know. Where when those events occur to me, I was, like, activated. Right. Like, switched on. And this was, like, a major purpose in my life. And
2: what is the pursuit of that purpose in that time? Was it to discover what happened? Was it to find truth? Like, how would you both, encapsulate both.
0: that? Both. I mean, like, number one, I wanted to understand what happened to me. Yeah. Um, and... I, you know, so I, in that way, I felt compelled, like, I have to figure this out. Right. They, now that I, like, I knew I was interested in it before and I had other kind of weird experiences, but this, these events that happened hit me so hard, like where at this point I have to know. Um, but then, you know, with that kind of conviction, I was kind of also like, and other people should know too. Like, yeah. Totally. Like if this is real, everybody should know because if they had the realization that I had, when I had during these experiences it would transform them, and for some reason, I thought that was a good idea. <laughs> um, but because I, I, I now I use a disclaimer, honestly, because like do it, you know. Again, just just like if somebody has an awakening experience, right? Whether it's through meditation or psychedelics or what have you, I mean, like you think, like yeah, I want an awakening, man. I want to be awake, you know but like do you really do you know what that means right like that having an awakening experience like that i mean at first like yeah you have these cool insights you're looking into the nature of reality and understanding and seeing things more clearly than before uh but you know you might also see past the illusion that like wow i hate my job why am i wasting my time going to work 9 to 5 hmm. when i could be changing the world You know what I mean? Like, and helping or doing my real passion or, you know, and, and maybe, you know, my, my spouse is holding me back from doing that. I'm this, this, I don't need this relationship. It's dragging me down. Right. It can really
2: shake the fabric of what you think your life is.
0: Everything. You could, you could set your life completely upside down and that's not going to be a fun ride. And that, it might not even be good for you to be honest, at least initially. I mean, the the way I look at things, I'm, I'm optimistic by nature. And I'm kind of like in the long run, I would have much, I would much rather it been this way for me, but some people never, they, they, they go up and they don't come down like they're in the clouds and they never find that grounding and it, they could suffer, you know, psychological effects. I mean, again, that's the implications of the UFO phenomenon, right? It's psychological effects, physical effects. There's a whole kind of assortment of things. So, and again, it, not even just from UFOs, right? You can have that kind of effect from, of a Vipassana retreat, right? Or you what get, is that? It's oh, like a meditation, Buddhist meditation ten day retreat where you're meditating for like a hundred hours in ten days, basically, um, or psychedelic, right? You could end up being like, you know, I'm quitting my job and I'm moving to India or california or whatever it is which
2: for some people maybe is good but not everyone
0: right i mean for some people it could be the best thing that they ever did in their life if they just like find their grounding and you know but for some people it could just be a really bad yeah thing you know i'm sure
2: you've met people around the community that you meet and you see and you're like you've gone into this a little too quickly or, or you've dedicated time to this that maybe it might not have been the best thing for you
0: well and it's like it it creates a like in your mind like even more countercultural effect and so people start grasping onto every kind of conspiratorial counterculture anything from alternative media is now real you know some people don't have the the um wherewithal to make the distance and say maybe i don't know you know that's why like It's, you know, and I don't want to judge people or say, you know, because at some point in time, a lot of us have been at some point where we think, okay, that's more likely or that's less likely or have been more kind of like taken by alternative narratives. Um, But. I mean, some people are just go all in and that's it. Man. And that, that's not a good thing.
2: Yeah. And you, you seem very like scrupulous. Like you seem very skeptical about things as they're happening, which I think gives your experiences. Obviously, your experiences are real and they happened to you, even if not every other person could experience them in the exact same time. But you seem skeptical in terms of seeing things and being like, okay, is this verifiable? Is there a way to sort of scrutinize this data? And you don't just seem like you're jumping on every different conspiracy or countercultural narrative that you can get your hands on. Is that fair to say?
0: Yeah. And I mean, that's, I mean, I, I can, I can say I probably got some of that from meditation practice. So I had some grounding, you had a tether, you know, something. And, you know, I went through a phase where I was more enthusiastic. And again, I thought some of this stuff was, was literal as far as like, aliens and extraterrestrials and you can say like the surface appearance of things where now I look at it and I say, that's it's, it's possible. It's very possible that some of these things are as they appear, that they are what they appear to be. But at the same time, I'm able to kind of have like a a Zen paradox perspective and say, Oh, it might appear that way, but in its true nature, is that actually what it is? Mm. Um, maybe not, you know, whether, you know, that's from a kind of greater aspect of reality and kind of like what people would call simulation theory, uh, the simulation hypothesis where we're in a kind of simulation thing or, or just in a more simple sense that, you know, if we're talking about UFOs is that are any of these entities, the actual UFO intelligence itself, or are some of these entities, um, um, surrogates or were made to believe that they represent the ufo reality when they're they're really not they're just tools you know so it's i mean that's the kind of thinking that you can get into if you can let yourself go down those rabbit holes and i mean for some people that kind of thinking is destabilizing right right um they take the what is
2: it the red pill in the matrix
0: right and it's but it's so it's so much like that really like again and that's why i say like Do you really want to, is that what you really want for yourself? I don't know. And
2: if you do get into it, it's probably smart to have some type of tether, whether it's family, whether it's close relationships with other people that are not necessarily involved in this or a meditative practice or something like that. Is that fair? I
0: mean, I don't want to even say that's guaranteed, right? Right. I mean, that'll probably definitely help you. If you have some kind of strong foundation, something to bring you to reality and something you can be sure of, uh, something to fall back on kind of. But, uh, you know, for for everybody, it's going to be different and everybody has different thresholds. And, you know, again, for me, I can have those kind of thought exercises and, and contemplations and it's not going to affect me at my job or, right. or what have you. I can go to work, do my job. Right. Be a good father. things yeah. like that be settled in, in consensus, acknowledge that there is a consensus reality. Right. Right. Whether whether it's it is what we think it is or not, there's what there's such a thing called consensus reality. There are laws to physics. There are universal principles, you know, like I know I'm not going to just fly, so I'm not going to try that. Right. like I have that kind of sense or grounding. Uh, But at the same time, I can contemplate on on things like, well, what if?
1: Right.
2: And if there are different realities or extensions of reality or, you know, multiverse realities that are existing at the same time, you can entertain those things and pursue those things, but still be grounded by the consensus reality that non-experiencers are having. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's a good way to put it.
2: Yeah. And I think it's, I think that's a really important point is to like respect the consensus reality. Well,
0: acknowledge it for what it is. I mean, it's a, it's a major part of our reality, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, whether whether it's real or not, we suffer the effects of it, right? We have to cope with it. We have to live in it. Right. Um, you know, whether we believe it or not, it's there and, you know, we have to, you know, live accordingly to that. Exactly. You know, while at the same time acknowledging, you know, we can bend some boundaries a little bit and, and our will has a greater effect than we might think too. You know? Right. So I do kind of, think that that you know the consciousness aspect is an important part of all this and that you know our understanding of physics and and things like that are are inevitably they're going to evolve as we understand the universe better and i so i like some of the kind of out there ideas that that are involved in consciousness and you know the implications of if we're in a conscious universe what how consciousness affects reality and even consensus reality so that's you know that's another thing with CE5 is if, if CE5 works, and right and I had Lou Elizondo on on engaging the phenomenon for an interview, and we talked about slide nine and cognitive human interface, and that's what he he even said that's it's kind of like your CE5, so you're able to consciously interface with another intelligence. Is keep, it?
2: Yeah, uh, sorry, keep going.
0: I was going to say, is that all completely technological? Or is there something else, right? Is, does non-human intelligence have an understanding of consciousness that enables them through technology to utilize that? And what is our potential on that?
2: Right. What's up, guys? We're going to take a break really quick because you need an attorney. That's right. Maybe you were in a car accident. Maybe you slipped, leaving your apartment, leaving your house. The sidewalk was all wet. Who knows? Maybe you need an attorney. And if you do, you got to check out Morgan & Morgan. That's who I would probably call. If something happened to me, if I was riding my bike and I crashed, someone crashed into me, the worst thing about an accident is barely even the accident, right? I'll have back pain. You'll have neck pain. Who knows? The worst part is trying to find an attorney. It's exhausting. You go online, you search all these websites, you're going through Google. You're like, who is this guy? If you're young like me, you've never got an attorney before. It's a really, really challenging thing to do, and it can be super confusing, and that's why you could go to Morgan & Morgan. Morgan and Morgan is America's largest personal injury law firm. They have over a hundred offices nationwide and more than eight hundred attorneys. That's right, they have recovered over fifteen billion dollars for their clients. It's so simple, eight clicks or less. You go to Morgan and Morgan, you can submit a claim. And now here's what's amazing: they don't charge you a single penny unless they win your case. You got nothing to lose. So if you're ever injured, you could go. To forthepeople.com slash gagnon. That's correct. For thepeople, F O R, thepeople.com slash gagnon, or dial pound law, that's pound five two nine from your cell phone. I'm telling you, Morgan and Morgan, these are great guys. Dan Morgan is an absolute legend. If you don't know Dan Morgan, you know, he's an attorney, but he's even more than that, right? He's a writer. He's a rapper, one of the greatest rappers of our generation. Okay. So if you're ever injured, you could check out Morgan and Morgan. That's for the people.com. F-O-R-Thepeople.com slash gagnon. G-A-G-N-O-N or dial Pound Law. That's pound five two nine from your cell phone. That's for the people.com slash Gagnon or dial pound law, pound five, two, nine from your cell phone. If you're injured, you can check them out. And by checking them out, you help support the show by supporting the sponsors that sponsored the show. And that helps us get amazing things like this brand new studio that we're going to be recording all of our episodes out of. So thank you to all the sponsors. Thank you to Morgan & Morgan for supporting us and supporting the dream of creating the greatest podcast in the world. Now, let's get back to the show. Okay, so can you explain CE5, how you got into it and what exactly it is for people that have never heard of this before?
0: Yeah, so I got into C5 is cuz I saw Dr. Greer doing the disclosure project. And when I saw him doing the disclosure project, I'm like, who is this random doctor? Cuz he was a medical doctor and here he is with all these military witnesses disclosing, you know, this testimony about UFOs from insiders. So I'm like, who is this guy? I started looking up Dr. Stephen Greer. And I found his other work, which actually happened to be his main work, which was called SETI, the Center for the Study of Extraterrestrial Intelligence. And when I was looking into the SETI, there was something called the CE5 Initiative, and he described the CE5 Initiative as basically a human citizen outreach program to be able to interact with UFO intelligence which he, he always calls extraterrestrial intelligence. He's specific about that and his reasoning. Uh, I don't know if he's completely right about that, but it is what it is. And, you know, he said that, you know, you can do this by doing what he calls the CE5 protocols. Um, and when he was talking about CE5 in general, the, the, what caught me at first, other than the, him having all these military witnesses and that being very impressive and kind of like groundbreaking, like historical, and I was thinking, why didn't I hear about this? When he's talking about CE5 and contact, he's he's describing it in a way that you you could not describe it that way if you didn't experience it yourself. There, there were just subtleties to how he was explaining contact and how it worked that from my experience, the way I experienced everything, I I figured you couldn't just make that up. Like you had to have had an experience to understand those kind of subtleties to what he was saying. So I that caught my attention. And I looked into CE5, which is a close encounter of the fifth kind. You know, there's all the CE1 through CE5. And... He he said, you know, he created protocols or co-created them, as he says, with uh, non-human intelligence and that you basically do a meditation. I'm, I'm super simplifying this, mm-hmm. um, but you basically do a meditation and do something akin to remote viewing and you use re- remote viewing to... And that, you know, for, for people who don't know, remote viewing is when you basically are using your intuition or psychic senses to perceive other points in space and time. Mm-hmm. And the CIA had a program called Project Stargate studying this for 20 years and they took it seriously and they were able to get some targets of like military assets from other countries and it was successful. And uh, so there, there's some, you know, kind of interesting background to that.
2: But so this is like MK Ultra, Montauk
0: Project, things like that? Mm, it's Project Stargate. So they, they kind of mesh together a little. <laughs> so there's a blurriness right there. like, But yeah, kind of. A is it bit.
2: similar to like, what we've seen in like, Stranger Things, like popularized yes, a lot like of this Yes, like that idea.
0: guy, Papa, mm-hmm. he's like trying to train these psychic kids. That's like definitely we're talking like that kind of stuff, right? Got it. Not, to, not literally, but very similar, where they're identifying people in the military who have a proclivity to intuition, and what uh, Annie Jacobson wrote a book called Phenomena, which is f- phenomenal, <laughs> uh, discussing the entire the the secret history of the the government and the CIA secret spy program mm. of uh, you know using remote viewers.
2: I mean that was the impetus for the show. I think the Duffer Brothers disclosed like the original name for Stranger Things right. was the Montauk Project, right? Yeah. Which is basically these types of like military. So there's
0: there's some kind of I don't want to say fantasy, but there's there's some. Conspiracy revolved around that but what I'm talking about is completely above board the documents came out it's legit there's no question to the authenticity of it so there's that that kind of part of it that's conspiratorial and there's some questions about it partially real partially not probably partially disinformation um, but then there's this which is completely above board it's, it's completely acknowledged right and we know that the people that were involved who you know Dr. Hal put off uh, who was part of To the Stars, who helped get some of this out, you know, with the New York Times story and Lua Elizondo. Um, so, but just to get back to the the CE5 protocols, you're doing something like uh, a meditation, doesn't really matter what kind, to get into a kind of deep, tranquil state, what we can call like a shamatha almost. And once you get to a kind of tranquil and peaceful state, you're doing remote viewing or what, what Dr. Stephen Greer called coherent thought sequencing. So not only are you remote viewing, but you're intending to peacefully interact with a non-human intelligence and remote view them, but then you're using the remote viewing to vector back to your specific location. And you kind of go through that process for like another 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it is. And then you're basically out in the field. You know, generally that's that's how it's done. You're doing out doing field work, so you can do this alone or with a group of people. Usually, it's recommended with a group of people. But I found like if you're like me, you're introverted. You've already had experiences. You're actually gonna have very intimate stuff when you're solo or hmm. with, or with smaller groups.
2: Now, is the protocol for remote viewing? Is that a very specific? Trained protocol.
0: So, okay, so there there are tr- there are protocols for that called con- controlled remote viewing, and that's kind of the the way that they did it in the CIA and the Army Intelligence. Um, But the way that that Doctor Greer taught it was much more like traditional Sanskrit Vedic tradition, more like what you would learn. And I mean, Stephen Greer was a a teacher for Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, the founder of Transcendental Meditation. So he actually teaches TM without telling you it's TM. The internal mantra. So, Dr. Greer's version is different than um, you know the way he teaches. Those kind of exercises are is different from what you would learn from somebody who is in the remote viewing program. And because a lot of those guys have come out now with their own books, trying to you know teaching remote viewing. Um, so there's a number of those guys: Lynn Buchanan, David Morehouse, and, and others. Like if you saw the Men Who Stare Goats, mm-hmm. it's based on a true story. You know, they added some kind of like comedy and few some characters and stuff, but the general premises is, um, you know, real. And so the, all those guys that were involved in those programs um, have come out with their own, like, you know, here's how you do remote viewing. And they're very similar. Uh, you know, some of them have you listen to like white noise and you have to write down your impressions or draw pictures without trying to analyze it. Cause if you try to analyze it, you're kind of breaking your, you're involving too much of your brain and breaking the intuitive glimpses and impressions kind of thing. Um, but Dr. Greer's version is more like you're doing traditional meditation that you would learn in like yoga or Buddhist kind of traditions and, or, or transcendental meditation. And after you're in that settled state, you're doing this coherent thought sequence and you know, generally you're out in the field when you do this or you're out in an area with hopefully a clear sky Um, and it's generally done at night because it's easier to see objects in the sky and that's how it was always done Um, but it's important to note that Stephen Greer wasn't the first person doing this and it's like the further you look back in history the different iterations there were of this because in in 1974 there was a group of people in uh, Peru Lima Peru called Mission Rama and that that's another incredible story dude where they're doing these meditation exercises uh, this guy Sixto Paswells, his father was a UFO researcher and he went to this UFO conference and there was a 32nd degree Freemason who was giving a lecture on how to communicate through automatic writing with non-human intelligences so he took that practice and went home to his family and they were getting these crazy messages that were like somebody was like, okay, I'm reading a book. What book is it? And the intelligence said like, you're reading this book, page 72 word three. This is the word. And they're like, Holy crap. Kind of like weird. I mean, again, this isn't a book, so it's hard to tell how legitimate that is, but the sightings that they had were absolutely legit. So because there's, there's been recordings of them by local media where they had what they were called program sightings. So they were like, we don't, you know, we don't believe you. We want to actually see you. So the, these group of people in Peru were told like on a Wednesday night at 9 PM, go to this part of the desert. And sure enough, they go out there and there's a whole group of them, you know, the, the friends and family, and they see this crazy hamburger shaped UFO and everybody panics. They lose their shit and people are Panicking and running And and you know Allegedly The the intelligence said to You know Sixo Paswells Well you guys were not ready So you have to start doing These meditation exercises Concentration exercises uh, Vegetarian diet And you have to prepare for contact So that's just like A brief rundown of Mission Rama Highly simplified But the, the further you go back In time Shamans And, and even um, John D And the Enochian Kind of magic There's all these different iterations of of human beings using different rituals or practices to interact with non-human intelligence. Just in today's vernacular, we call them UFOs because we understand technology. So that's like a way for us to understand whatever this is, possibly all the same thing, which is kind of something put forward by Dr. Jacques Vallée with Passport to Magonia um, trying to say like, okay, we have elves and fairies and all this, but are they really different from the ufo phenomenon we mm-hmm. have lights in the sky that appear that communicate with people and um you know so he's he made the argument in that book is like is this all the same intelligence or type of phenomena that's been interacting with humanity from the beginning of time kind of thing which is really really cool
2: and that connects the pyramids that connects all and, of these probably ancient structures in some and way. religions
0: right right angels demons gins right you can they can it, it, you know, if you have the open mind to it, you can see how they can all. You know, the UFO phenomenon in some ways is very similar, and um, you know, a follow-up to that, uh, Dr. Diana Pasolka wrote a book called *American Cosmic*, and she she's a religious professor, and she really communicates that I think in a in a really good way because she was doing research into religious studies, Catholic. And she was looking at some of the experiences that these nuns were having. And when she was talking to a friend about it, they said, oh, that sounds like a, you know, like a UFO encounter. And she's like, no. And then she looked into it. And sure enough, there was a lot of correlations there. So this, the idea of contact with non-human intelligence is as, you know, as old as mankind, basically, Mm -hmm. and religion.
2: Right. And that can be brought through rituals and things like this, meditation stuff. Right. Things of that nature. I mean, beyond psychedelics.
0: Right. Yeah, and that's and that's a distinction because I I made a joke that, you know, somebody said, "Can you do psychedelics and do a C5?" I said I want to I want to qual- you know qualify that and say no because you can, right? But I I think that it confuses the two in that I would I would give the psychedelic experience with non-human intelligence its own category, right, to differentiate um, because when you do a CE five, right, a successful one, and, you know, that's again, a CE five, you can do a whole podcast on CE five. Cause there's, there's so much to go into there. I've, I mean, I, I have my own podcast and I've done countless episodes just on CE five because I have a whole category of just CE five. Cause there's, there's so much to it. Um, but you know, if you have a psychedelic experience, even, even if you have like a, like a, a shared thing where, there's a group of people experiencing the same thing, which in itself is incredible, right? Like, what does that mean? How, how is that possible? But it happens. Um, But would somebody out of that group see what they're seeing? Probably not, right? But with CE5, there, there are certainly, you know, CE5 events where, you know, everybody is seeing it objectively in the sky. You can actually record it. It's physically there, right? Uh, So there's a, there's a, uh, occasions like that so that i would say differentiates that category of contact you know and again in a larger context ce5 is is part of what people call contact modalities and uh, which could which is like a a whole assortment you know psychedelics ce5 lucid dreaming you know all, any other kind of like ritual where you're interacting with uh, contact with a non-human intelligence can fall under contact modalities, you know, and, and, and Grant Cameron, um, wrote a book on that and it's, it's an excellent book and there's a ton of information in there on all these different types of contact modalities and ways to contact non-human intelligence. And, um, you know, I think d- depending on the individual, different things are going to work better for different people. Mm-hmm. So I, I give a lot of credit to Dr. Stephen Greer with the CE5 protocols because you know, Mission Rama, although they were highly successful and they have very good video footage of at least one contact event that happened and um, it was recorded by the local media. I have it on my YouTube page um, under the the video called Mission Rama because um, it's just, you know, this I think the recording was taken in the late 80s or so. And it's just like there's there were not drones like that that were able to perform as far as we know to do what these objects that you see in the video do. But not only that, the people that were there were told where and when to go by the so-called UFO intelligence, which is... Can remarkable. I pull that video
2: up now? Do you mind? Yeah, go oh, ahead. That'd be okay. We can cut it in. So this is local news that comes out to, to record it.
0: Yeah, they were, they were told, you know, where there's going to be a UFO sighting here at this time.
2: And hundreds of people are here.
0: Yeah. So, but the crazy thing is... You're, you know and during this is like a kind of weird thing like if I don't want it's, to it's hard to explain it. the UFO phenomena is going to interact with who it wants to so if there's people that it doesn't want to interact with it won't right
2: and so they won't visually see it
0: so there might not be an interaction at all so what happened was they were the, the a lot of people left and after the people left this is when the event occurred but they still the reporters were there and they got the footage so watch, you're going to see, you'll see. And they're using like mantras and stuff. They're like, Rama. yeah, watch, you're going to see here.
2: And these are journalists that are describing seeing it. These are, so not- these
0: are people there that were there. It's not the piece after this is the part that's better, but this is good too. Because again, these are anomalous lights in the sky at the time and location that they're supposed to be, That you know, that something was supposed to happen can watch though like the the way the movement was like at that time like that's there's no that's not a plane and they weren't doing drones back then right and why would there be military drones over that kind of thing you know what i mean so you definitely have to take into point the time and place of that. So this is in South America, wow, in in the in the eighties, right? And they were told to go to this location at that time. Wow. So
2: do you think it was more vivid in person? Like obviously, like course. you take your phone out and you film yeah, the moon and it looks course. tiny, but this, in your eye, yeah, the moon video, looks huge.
0: Video footage in the eighties, that you know, hmm. it's not like high def, you know. But again, I th- the correlation with them being told the location and the time to go there and this experience happens of, you know, anomalous lights in the sky, you know, they're reporting more that's going on through telepathy and stuff. I, you can't validate that, but you know, that as far as UFO footage, a lot of people are looking for something that should be in a movie, but genuine UFO footage is, is not, it doesn't look fantastical, but it looks like, how is that done kind of thing? Like even those, the three department of defense videos, the Navy videos that were put out, to a, a normal spectator they're like oh that's just a blob but it's like no actually these objects were being tracked doing this you know there's other classified information they're not telling you and it's it's doing something that it shouldn't be doing so that's what makes it interesting not like oh it's visually aesthetic like wow you know right so i mean a lot of different things like if you see you know it's different now because there's all drones and stuff but you know, if you see an object do something it's not supposed to do, and it's correlating with your thoughts, that that's when you have something like, okay, holy shit, right? There's right. Something.
2: And the video experience is going to be different than the personal experience.
0: A million percent, yeah. You, I mean, there's some good CE5 footage, but n- you know, none of none of it is like you know something from a Steven Spielberg movie. Mm-hmm. You know, in the early days. In the '90s, when Stephen Greer was doing a lot of that stuff, there was interference with their equipment. Like cameras would stop working and things like that. Uh, Watches, compasses would go like haywire while some of these events were going on. Um, And there's, they have a few good night vision videos, but none of them are like spectacular. Like this is definitive proof of of the UFO reality. And what do you
2: think that is? Do you think it's because it's occurring in some type of like? bent reality situation that the personal experience is going to be different because it's hitting you on like almost a spiritual
0: level? Well, it's, it's definitely hitting you on a consciousness-based level, right? That's one. I mean, you're having impressions given to you seemingly by this intelligence communicating different things. And when you think something, it reacts. Um, So that's not – you can't really capture that, right? I mean, now with different equipment, you can begin to start. Like if you have one of those – EEG monitors and w- set up with a camera and I mean but Joe Schmo doing CE5 out in the field is not going to have access to all that stuff mm-hmm. could there be good studies done on it nowadays yes you know but obviously they, you need the right people you need funding and you need to do it right, and you have to evolve the study as it goes to find out right. what, what's going to be a useful data point where we can validate there's something going on here that's anomalous, genuinely, and it's repeatable. Right.
2: So can you speak to some of your CE5 experiences? How many times have you done it, and oh, wow. what are sort of the experiences that you've had?
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I've done it uh, hundreds of times. It's oh, not, really? If not in like the thousands. Oh, you wow. Know, like in the thousand. Yeah
2: almost like every couple months you're doing these int- intentional experiences
0: well I mean when I when I first after those experiences and I found the work I was doing it daily really for, and, I, and at that point I was meditating like th- at least three hours a day three hours yeah wow you know I didn't have all the responsibilities back then yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean so I could like throw myself into it and so. this
2: is still like the Chen meditation or is this different I
0: now? so over time I like I still love Chan and Zen and I've taken i've learned different things and i've like done different types of yogic meditations like kriya yoga that kind of um what P, you know patanjali's yoga or raja yoga people will be familiar with those kind of terms um it's like the meditative uh school of yoga mm-hmm. the, the the primary focus is meditation and expanded awareness self-realization Did you ever learn tm I did an indirectly through Stephen Greer because he taught, he, he teaches it without telling, saying it's TM.
2: Right. So you end up meeting him.
0: Yes. Oh yeah. So it, that's, yeah. How does that unfold? Okay. So the first event I ended up going out to, cause you know, I had to like, you know, you got to pay for travel and you have to pay for the event and pay for lodging. So the first event I went out to was in Arizona in 2010. So I went out to that event. It was a three-day event, and it was a it was a conference slash CE five training. So during the day, you're, he Stephen Greer is teaching his meditation practices and and talking about CE five and you know what to look out for. This is how kind of contact happens. And then there's other kind of like UFO kind of consciousness based lectures. And then at night, everybody goes out and and you participate in ce5 in real time so at this event it was like a conference slash training so it was like a bigger event they only did it for a few years because i guess they were like piloting it and there was like 200 people there and that's not i you know i learned later on that's not good for for contact really like you don't if you're doing serious contact unless everybody on there is like on a similar kind of page consciously or like intentionally it, it it breaks the coherence and the focus and it become you know other these people are kind of like partying over here mm. these people are doing something else and it 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 makes the thing incoherent basically um but and and there were people there that were kind of like thrill seekers and there were locals that just go to every conference that's in town so I did have um, a very unique experience there you know there were what like what people call flash bulbs so it's like a flash of pinpoint light out of nowhere at different parts of the sky um which is not attributable to like a rotating satellite it's different than that and it can happen in like a sequence so it's it's you can distinguish if it's actually like a rotating satellite Iridium flare or what people call in in uh, ce5 field work a flash bulb um so i i saw things like that and we saw you know like alleged meteors that were zigzagging in the sky like Stuff like that where it's cool to see, but it's not like close enough where it hits you in a, in a really different way um, where you're like, wow, that's like a very direct kind of thing. Um, but so I kind of was at this event and it was the first night and we're seeing these things. But I'm like, you know, I want I want something more direct, like that. This is this is for real kind of thing. Like, even though I had been doing it and I'd been having my own experience, like I wanted to know that like the C5 initiative as this was like the real deal. And, um, so I asked for like a kind of validation during my meditation and like maybe 15 or 20 feet away, like maybe 10 feet in the air, 12 feet in the air. I saw a ruby red orb, like almost the size of a basketball. And I'm like looking around and like, nobody's gasping. Right. But I'm like, what the, you know, what the heck is this? Right. And so I'm assuming, okay, nobody else sees this. I'm not going to, I'm not saying anything about this because I'm going to look like an idiot. Um, if I just say, Hey, do you see that? Do you see that? Right. And then, and there's nothing there. People are going to be like, because the way this it looked right, it looked like the, the, like if you stare into a light and then you look and there's like an overlay on top of what you're seeing. Right. It looked like this ruby red orb was imprinted on top of reality. That's what it looked like. Um, and, I'm like, I'm not saying anything about this. So because nobody else is like looking at this or saying this is amazing or whatever. So I'm going to keep it to myself. Are these people going to think I'm making this up or I'm like seeing what I want to see? So like 30 seconds later, uh, you know, Dr. Greer takes his laser pointer and circles the exact area and says there was just a ruby red orb over here. And I was like, holy shit. Wow. Okay, that that for me was direct enough where so- I knew something was going on with
2: that. Did but anyone else also see it? It was you I, and, and Greer. I
0: mean, other people could have seen it. I don't know. Um, but I don't... And that's not the impression I had because nobody was like, hey, look at that. And it was like right there. Like I said, this thing was maybe like 10, 12 feet off the ground and like 15 or 20 feet away from me. It was like right there. Um, so I didn't get the impression that other people saw it, but that that for me was enough validation that okay, that that was something. Um, and you know, again, anytime we mention Stephen Greer, you got to put a disclaimer because you know he's done a lot of great things in the field, and the credit where it's due. A million percent, he's changed history with some of the stuff he's done. But he's also like nowadays saying like all these people that don't agree with him are, are disinformation agents and they're Hmm. trying to put false, a forced, a a fake disclosure. That's going to trick everybody for a military industrial complex plan. And you know what? Maybe he's right. I don't know, but I don't, I don't think so really. Um, not the way it's happening then. And the way he's directly accusing certain people, I don't think is right. I don't think he's correct. And, um, so it it creates a weird kind of situation where you have somebody who was highly respected in the field in the early days you know at least in the 1990s and early 2000s who's now in in some ways he's i think he's become an obstacle to the conversation at the same time now hmm. because he's you know some of the things he's saying and the people he's blaming it's it really it seems more like a vendetta than than actual like we're seeking truth and disclosure kind of thing it feels
2: unproductive to the overall disclosure yeah
0: because again he, all his disclosure project witnesses were intelligence and military people but now he's, you know, if you're in the intelligence apparatus or intelligence community in the military and you don't agree with him, you're part of this cabal cover-up thing. Sure. So it's like that just seems like a double standard to me. Mm-hmm. You know, where you have people like Lou Elizondo and Christopher Mellon and Dr. Eric Davis and all these these people like you know risk their careers, put their careers in a line. Lou Elizondo stepped away from his high-ranking position in the Pentagon to to because so we can put this information out. So in, in 2001 he would have been the ultimate disclosure project witness but because he doesn't align with everything Stephen Greer does he's he's part of uh, some kind of conspiracy. I see.
2: So it. That makes sense.
0: It's it seems like a double standard to me. It doesn't seem fair. And if you know, at the same time all this stuff is happening now where you have these whistleblowers coming out and and a l- incredible progress being made and you know, there's been language drafted in, in the National Defense Authorization Act year after year. There's been congressional hearings. And that all that that's all been possible because of things that Lua Lizondo and Christopher Mellon and, and Leslie Kane and and you know Dr. Gary Nolan, Dr. Eric Davis, Dr. Hal Putoff, and many other people uh participated in. Um but at the same time, he does a recent conference and he's trying to say, like, you know. It's a positive development, but the people who were responsible for making it happen are, are part of some disinformation. Other right, so it's right. like which one is it? Right. Right. And he's at the same time almost capitalizing making the events he's doing with things that they made happen, that they were part right. of. Right. So which one is it?
2: Right. Is the data good or is it disinformation? How can it be both? That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean
0: it's just it just seems off to me
2: so in all of your ce5 experiences have any of them been
0: in scary or intense so uh, this is a weird kind of thing is that i mean i found in ce5 i've never had a negative experience really right so i think you know some people said the ufo phenomenon kind of reflects back to you what's inside you know kind of things cosmic mirror thing and not always because people just have random experiences that are sometimes awesome and sometimes that are like terrifying so i don't know if that has anything to do with that Mm -hmm. but i do know that out of ce5 and you know i created the first ce5 social networks going back you know 13 years ago whatever and i started connecting different people that were ce5 field group you know field group leaders and members and that became a whole thing and so i was able to speak with at this point, tens of thousands of different people doing this and worked in the field with hundreds of different people doing CE fives. And, um, generally speaking, like 95% of people that are go out there and do a CE five have positive experiences because you're going out there with a positive intention. Right. Right. That's the only kind of correlation I can say. Well, if you're going out with a positive intention, like the high majority of the time, you're going to have a positive experience, at least with CE5. Um, there's, there's, there there have been a few reports of negative or frightening experiences after CE5, but I mean, g- again, given all the data I I've seen off of like diff- people's different experiences and field reports, it's a very, very, very low minority of people who have a negative experience from a CE5. Yeah, but that's not to say. That you can have a positive experience that it won't turn your life upside down. Right. This is that tethering thing we we're right. talking about. Like, yeah. Can you so, stay
2: grounded in reality despite having a very intense, you know, alternative reality experience? Yeah. So, yeah. like,
0: I mean, I, I was very gung ho about CE5 back in the day, whereas now I'm like, I, I always have a disclaimer now mm-hmm. because, you know, again, that could, you could have a very positive and powerful experience and, yeah, that can make your life difficult. So I always put that out there now that even if it's like a wonderful experience, you don't know how it's going to affect you.
2: Sure. I mean, I think it's like anything. I mean, not, obviously this is not psychedelics, but I've heard people that have done ayahuasca and yeah. have had amazing transformational, you know, life-changing experiences where they say, this is not my purpose and it, my purpose is this other thing and I'm able to pursue it fully. And then there's people that, you know, obviously will go off the the wagon, so to speak, or they might be predisposed to schizophrenia and then it triggers a schizophrenic episode. And yeah. there's obviously negative effects to any type of spiritual practice that's not grounded in reality in some way or gone in with the right intention. That well, makes a lot of sense.
0: I, even like grounded meditation practices, like a Vipassana, that seems like kind of grounded is very kind of like strict Buddhist meditation and you're just observing reality as it arises and passes and you're seeing into the nature of reality. And even that, I mean, I, there's there's you know people can have a negative effect from that too so mm-hmm. i mean i generally think like a little bit of meditation could probably benefit everybody but yeah if you're sensitive or you know you end up having some kind of like satori kensho zen experience awakening thing like by chance or whatever you know watch out yeah it could be weird. amazing but you don't know what you're in for. Yeah. Are some so, of
2: your experiences, are, are they typically like orb related? Are the visuals you yeah, see? Yeah,
0: like a lot of them, you know, they are like that, right? Like I'll be looking at a, a portion of the sky after I do a CE5 and sometimes it's, it can even have happen before, like retrocausally, which is crazy. Um, but, you know, and an orb appears out of nowhere, stationary, and then starts to move, and then disappears. You know things like that. Nothing kind of like I would say crazy, but there there have been a few CE fives where, like, with I'll say I, I had a, a really extreme kind of like CE five with this one. Um, well, again, my whole family was here for this too. But I was, I was with this one family member, and they. Um they want, they knew I was doing this. So they were like, okay, what's this, what's this about? So I said, okay, I'll show you, but don't expect anything to happen. This is just consider this a practice thing because it's, you know, it's, it's hit or miss depending on your intensity, how serious you're taking it, how regularly you're practicing kind of thing. So just let's, let's do this as a practice. So we literally do uh, a 20 minute meditation and, you know, when, when the meditation is done, this this person, uh, she's like crying and I'm like, is it, you know, what's, what's going on? And she was like in my meditation, I, you know, she had this amazing connection as she describes with these entities and they told her like, look for the colors. And I'm thinking at this point, like, even, even though I've had like successful <laughs> CE5s, I'm like, maybe I don't know what to make of that. So Like, I'm even like, you know, I should, this is probably like judgmental, but I'm thinking like, maybe she's just like, maybe that was just the voice in her head. Even, even though I've had these experiences, I'm still like having that kind of like background thinking, um, because I didn't know what to make of it. Right. I I learned later, you don't, you should, you don't, you shouldn't judge the impressions. You have to see how it comes out. But so I'm like, okay. So we step out of the room and, you know, we were doing this at nighttime. And again, this is the same thing. It's like 9 p.m. It's a summer night. This is 2011, and there were two other family members. They're sitting in the dark as they're watching a movie, and one of them says, "Somebody was just taking pictures of us." I said, "What do you mean?" They said, "There's flashes coming from outside, like lighting up the inside of the house, like somebody's taking a camera flash." So I'm like, "Okay, okay, maybe there's something going on." So I I run outside, and I you know I, I always advise don't use lasers ever, even though I did. So I I grab my laser on the way out. And when I go outside, there's these two objects that kind of look like bright satellites, but they're moving kind of like this. So I flash in the middle in between them, which again, don't use lasers. Don't shine them at any in the sky. Just don't use them. You know, you can get in trouble. So don't be stupid with lasers. Um, So I, I flash the laser in the middle. And... They f- one flashed and then the other flashed, so I'm like, Holy crap, okay, this is this is uh, something's going on here. So, and again, the person that was with me during the meditation that said, Look for the colors, she was there when I was doing this, and she, you know, she saw that. So, all of a sudden, every location that you looked at in the sky, I swear, over here, there's a purple or but you can see there's a structure behind it but the the light of the the you know purple is like illuminating there's something like a craft behind it but it's far away It's small but you can still then there's a red one like that there's a, a green one there's things flying through the sky again like a meteor but it's zigzagging there's these flashbulb like bursts of light coming out of nowhere and all of a sudden i get this kundalini thing again and we <laughs> ran in and got my other two family members and said, you have to see this. So again, for like 20, 25 minutes, maybe half an hour, there's, this ha- is happening nonstop. The entire sky, like there had to be hundreds of different, like UFOs or manifestations happening one after the other. And again, it's not just like one after the other. You're looking here. There's something going on. You're looking here. There's something going on. And I, I'm having this Kundalini thing again, and i saw in in the yard cuz we were in the backyard like a almost like a pyramidal structure of these yellow orbs like that looked like kind of like that ruby red one it was very similar to that except they were yellow and they were like there was like three or four and then like two or three and there was like a, a pyramid configuration and like i felt like i was like oh, almost being like electrified with kundalini energy And this, I'm like, you know, while all this is going on and nobody, nobody else saw that, but me for whatever reason, uh, that the pyramidal structure, they're seeing everything else. And then I'm like, I have to go get my friend, my friend, Dave, because my friend Dave is the one that I was doing the C fives with, like on a daily basis. He was my main C five partner. And, um, so, and he was, we had planned to do C five that night and I was going to go pick him up from work. So I'm like, I I really don't want to leave right now, but he has to see this. Like he has to. Because we were doing C E5s and having some basic experiences that were cool and kind of direct. But not this was just outstanding. This is like you know, aesthetically, visually, this was even crazier than the experience I had with the hexagon type craft, just because the sheer amount. Because again, I I'm thinking in my mind, just like almost subconsciously that every one of these ufos represents different entities right now could that have been have some kind of visual display or something i don't know but like if that were true there were hundreds of different entities that participate in this event which doesn't make sense to me so for some reason i think there has to be some kind of other explanation for how these manifestations were occurring because there's I, it just seems like absurd to me that like hundreds of different entities would participate in an event like this for what right i i mean i jokingly call it like an intergalactic initiation because it it was a definite demonstration of event for whatever reason it was a you know there's not it was a major event um kind of like ufo event or encounter and everybody there saw it and I was like, "I have to go get Dave. I just have, because he needs to see this. He's been working so hard with me, and you know we see things, but not like this so I leave, and you know this is stuff is still going on as I'm driving down to the driveway, and it's 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 so incredible and you know i i left i went i got dave i am telling him about all this, and I'm calling him when I'm on the way there and um and then we get back, and the whole the thing's over, the show's over." And the, the, one of my family members says, "Yeah, as soon as you left, they they went away. It was that was it. Wow." And I was like, "God, oh, she she's like, oh, they followed you. I don't know if that's true, or if that's kind of like the the feeling they got, but that that was a CE five event. So that was initiated. That was intentional, and that occurred, and it was absolutely amazing. And I, you know, I've had." all different types of CE5 experiences vary, varying from like that extreme to very mundane, w- w- would seem mundane. But I mean, with every CE5 experience, I never took for granted. I always had the kind of thinking of, you know, even if this seems mundane, the fact that you're able, a human is able to intentionally interact with a non-human intelligence is, is insane, is awesome, right? The implication of that um so you know a lot of times people are looking for some kind of crazy experience uh, with a CE5 and mm-hmm. that may or may not happen right but i mean just the fact alone that it would work at all is is insane right
2: and so that family member that you had done the CE5 with she saw it and the two other people that hadn't
0: done the meditation they also saw they saw it. everything yeah wow except that the pyramidal structure thing right But everything else in the sky that was going on crazy, they all saw it.
2: And now had you set up a recording with your camera or had you pulled your phone out, what do you think you would have captured?
0: I think if I had set up a camera, it would have gotten the lights would have shown up. Probably not, not in great quality in 2011, but they probably would have shown up. Something would have shown up some because I mean, I think so, because all everything there looked like. It was actually happening. I mean, again, could it be some kind of thing where the UFO intelligence is making you see these things? That's definitely a possibility. Not in all UFO cases, because we have to say there are cases where things are being tracked on radar indefinitely while there are objects there, while there's visual sighting, gun camera footage, radar all cooperating. This object is there and right. is performing these incredible like feats. the David Fravor account exactly right. So without a doubt, there are many encounters like that was this one of them i don't know it it sure it seemed like it to me right in what I was seeing because some of them didn't just look like lights some of them like you can see a structure behind the lights that the the glow from the the orb or whatever you can see a structure behind it
2: now have you ever done an experiment where you set up a camera intentionally to capture anything
0: yeah and I got like basic stuff it's it's nothing compelling and and I don't know what it is it's like I don't want to say it's like, oh, the UFO intelligence is just not going to let you capture it. But there, there's also something to be said is like when you're you're it's hard to be in the process and, and record at the same time because your intentions are not the same. And I, I think part of that is, yeah, the UFO phenomenon is ultimately going to decide if you record something or not. Mm-hmm. You know, it has the potential to jam your equipment. Absolutely. Um, but also that there's a the human component of where it's like you're really now focusing on like i have to get this footage rather than being present and being effective in the process of what makes ce5 work right and have you ever seen beings during ce5 I've, i've seen um like orbs that come like literally down into the field like several feet away but i have not seen beings in the field when doing ce5 so people report that But there's also people that report that, that they're seeing it with like subtle vision. So they're seeing like outlines of things, but it's not like a, like a flesh and blood type entity. Um, But I mean, again, you have varying reports of people saying, whatever, personally me, I've seen again, like orbs and lights and things like that come very, very close, like right in the field with you during a CE5 that other people saw too. But not, I haven't seen entities that just come in the field like that when you're doing a CE5. Right. People have speculations as to that, like, oh, when when you're doing CE5, you're interacting with these type of beings that are on a higher frequency. And they don't, you know, so I, I don't know that, you know, what the reality of any of that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can see why they people make that kind of argument. Um, is it, I don't know if it's, you know, is it possible to have some kind of encounter like that? Mission Rama reported that it happened to them. So that was what was unique about the Mission Rama case is that they claim to have like face-to-face sightings um, with beings and they report that they went on board. That's you know, that's highly controversial and there's no proof for that. But um, they had a lot of they had a good track record with the UFO sightings that makes part of their story a bit more believable. But I'm always skeptical as to whether you know, even if you have an encounter like that, right, what part of it is psychic, consciousness-based, like simulated, right? Like you're in a kind of like they put your consciousness in a simulation and you feel like you're actually there and you're not, you know, it's not actually happening in our objective reality. Um, there's different arguments set about that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, and again, there's there's pictures people have and it's kind of like a blurry photos of like oh is this is an entity that came into the field i'm I'm skeptical of that yeah and- so could it but could it be you know uh you know like one thing described as like oh well it's an ash like a, an electronic projection from ufo intelligence it's not an entity but it's a projection of one through technology it could, it could happen right but i don't know
2: and do these orbs feel good? Do you get a presence from them? Obviously you have these Kundalini experiences, but is it a positive force? Is it a negative force?
0: My own experiences with these kind of orbs have been positive.
2: And that they are good, that the presence is, is good. It and feels that, that it way. It likes humanity. It
0: feels way. that way. Mm-hmm. But I have to say it feels that way. I don't, I don't know. Right. I mean, people, people will say they're manipulating you. They're, you know, and these are actually demons and I don't, I don't I really don't know, man. I mean, that's why now again I use a disclaimer because now now I'm more open to saying I don't know. Because back then it's not that I wasn't open to saying I don't know, but I thought I knew.
2: Right. The experience is so real, it's like,
1: yeah, I yeah. know what I saw. Right. And as and, well and,
0: and, and more, more so I like than that is because I have a good feeling that means this therefore this intelligence is good. Right. Right. Where now I'm kinda like, hold on a second. Like let me really think about this you know, I don't, I don't know. Right. But it felt positive. It felt good. And I have to say in my own life, it, it feels like my life has changed for the better in different ways. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and none of these experiences were induced with psychedelics or anything like right, that. Correct. Have you ever done psychedelics like outside of these experiences? I,
0: I did a few, not much. And um, what did you do? I, I tried, I've done um, LSD and I've done mushrooms and they high, were, high dose mushrooms I, I wouldn't say high dose no I don't you know it was like a one-off kind of thing and
2: um were those experiences interesting to you did they glean
0: any type of information they were not like this kind of experience they I mean I because you, you kind of go into it and you're expecting I guess an experience I guess and you um I don't know I mean you're kind of expecting it to be a hallucination I guess mm-hmm. you know I mean, that's how it was for me. And it was like cool and everything. And I see how it could have transformed qualities. I guess probably, especially if you're doing it in like crazy doses or something. Right. But it, it didn't um, have the same kind of effect on me.
2: Would you say that mushrooms or LSD just had more typical experiences of those substances that other people report? Like with mushrooms, you felt uh, maybe like Energetic, or did you have like small hallucinations or things like that? Or with very, LSD, very very minor. But yeah.
0: I, it's probably because I didn't have too much, you know. And
2: the LSD and experience was not that, dramatic.
0: It was cool. It was it was very cool. And what was that experience like? A lot of laughing. Like yeah. Yeah, I was laughing a lot, and the idea of like things like the universe being connected was really cool, but also something. Something I did take away from it was I remember this crazy insight that I had on it was even though I had been doing meditation well before this, but I realized when I'm thinking that it was just a product of my brain. Like I just had that realization for whatever that I was like able to observe my thoughts in a particular way where it was just kind of like a byproduct of the brain and the mind and not myself kind of thing. Like I, you know, I've read about stuff like that in, in meditation literature and stuff, but that I had like the direct experience and inside of it, like, ah, like it clicked, like, Hmm. ah, you know what I mean? Kind of thing.
2: Um, and what do you make of that? Like that in what, in what sense that these things are outside of yourself and they're sort of
0: like, well, thoughts, I'm saying like thoughts, you know, they, they, they're not your inherent self. Right. Thoughts
2: right. are sort of like passing in and out of your consciousness. Right. And yeah. you can sort of choose to ruminate and, and focus on certain ones. Well, that because type of thing. Uh, so many
0: times that your thoughts are happening so subconsciously that you identify with them. When, you know, you can just say, you know, instead of just being angry, you can say like, wait, hold on. What, why, what is this? Where is it coming from? Why is it? And, you know, it's actually, it's, it's just my body react, my body chemistry Reacting to uh, you know so a thought, and it's not I'm it's not actually me right. It doesn't right. represent who I am on the deepest level. It's just you know an experience of an emotion. Yeah. And why am I having this emotion?
2: And I can know? choose to engage with this emotion or right. not. Right. Right.
0: You know. You, so
2: yeah, I've done very basic like mindfulness meditation, and I grew up yeah. Catholic as well, so I prayed a lot obviously as a kid and still now. Yeah. But and I know that in mindfulness, people often say like, "Oh, observe your thoughts." as they're sort of entering into your consciousness and leaving and yeah, just sort of let those sort of come in and out. Whenever I meditate, I can never really identify the thoughts as separate from myself. Yeah. Is that, have you experienced like, I did. Well,
0: yeah, yeah. I, yeah. And, and different, but I, I, I mean, I got crazy with meditation in that like I was super, super in, you know, I still am into it. Like I still practice meditation very regularly. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, it makes it's it, it makes ever, you know, especially. I mean, I had insights into that before, but especially after that experience, it was like a given,
2: right? And you, but you didn't see orbs or anything while you were doing psychedelics,
0: no. no. I mean, I saw like with the mushrooms, I think, or I don't even remember which one I saw, like a little like swirling. Right, you know, but this is a
2: visual effect done by the psilocybin or by the LSD, whatever. Yeah, right. That was like separate and distinct from these other. There were
0: no entities. There was no communication with anything.
2: From these other CE five experiences.
0: Yeah, yeah, or the other experiences that were not CE fives, but were contact experiences that just spontaneously occurred.
2: Do you still get spontaneous occurrences?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, So. You know, that's kind of the thing with CE5 too. I did a video that says like, you know, you know, contact doesn't begin or end with CE5. So like you could say plan that you're going to do a CE5 at like 8 p.m. at night, whatever, on Friday. And just having that thought or intention you know you, you don't even do the protocols or practice and boom you step outside and something's there whether it's the day before or 2 hours before you're supposed to do it um so it's you know once you st- engage with CE5 and this is part of the disclaimer you're you're kind of in the thing right
2: right you kind of open yourself up to these experiences
0: right and and for some people that can go away and there's there's kind of ways you can ground yourself and make it go away or something but you know more or less you don't know what's going to happen and what your sensitivity to it's going to be and so do, do do things spontaneously happen to me still yes um you know but that there's a number of factors within that is i've had experiences before so i'm kind of already open in a sense and two you know i've been doing ce5s you know regularly for years so is any of that a response to the ce5 right so It's hard to kind of gauge what's spontaneous anymore. Yeah, right. You know,
2: you're meditating frequently, almost every day at this point. Yeah, and so yeah, is your intention every time you meditate to have some type of C five or sometimes meditation is just on its own?
0: No, 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 no. The majority of my meditation is like it's kind of like exercise, right? Like it's more for
2: mental clarity
0: and yeah, 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 that kind of thing. And
2: I still like meditating, but I am sort of like. I'm like almost afraid of these CE5 experiences. Like I wouldn't I want I wouldn't want this to just happen to me spontaneously. And in my life, nothing like this has ever occurred. Yeah. So just through my regular meditative practice now, I, yeah. I, I, I don't want this to happen necessarily yeah. against my will. Do I have to be worried about that now?
0: I mean, I don't think if, if you don't have a focused intention to do it, I don't think it's just going to randomly happen. But like, could it just happen just by knowledge of it? I maybe. you know, I'm not going to say, I don't want to stop <laughs> meditating, but that, you know, focus on grounded meditations, you know, mm-hmm. don't think about entities when you're doing meditation and stuff and UFOs. Right. Yeah. Um,
2: do, you, do your kids ask you about this? Like, I'm sure they're aware of I your don't, meditation.
0: I, I'm a, I believe in independent thinking. I would never try to put my thinking on, on, even people that, that don't believe me per se. Like if I'm talking about UFOs to somebody and I can see they're uncomfortable, I'm not going to continue talking about it because I don't want to upset their, that's, they have a right to their worldview, right? What I do with engaging the phenomena, I'm out in the public. I'm, you know, you know, you can choose not to look at what I'm saying, Mm -hmm. right? I'm not going to force this kind of idea and reality on anybody. I don't, I don't like, I don't like that kind of, conduct so
2: what's up guys we're going to take a break really quick because i have to tell you about one of the greatest outdoor companies to ever exist and that is the company that made the very tent that i'm sitting in right now Mm -hmm. take a look around this is a beautiful canvas tent that is also the greatest studio in podcasting maybe i mean this place is just absolutely phenomenal and it came from white duck outdoors that's right I went all through the internet. I was trying to build this brand new space where I'm gonna have the most interesting conversations in the world. And I was like, you know what? I need a tent that's gonna be beautiful. It's gonna last. It's gonna be big enough. It's gotta be able to hold all this equipment. I can hang stuff on the walls. And that's how I found White Duck Outdoors. They're the best. They're great people, and they make amazing products. This is straight from their website. Their products are inclusive. They're for anyone and any activity. It could be camping, glamping, hunting in your backyard, a podcast studio. There's so many uses for these amazing tents. Me and White Duck Outdoors have a great relationship, and that's because we agree on a few major points, all right? At the core, we both want to disconnect from the grind and stresses and repetition of day-to-day life and reconnect with friends, family, loved ones, interesting people, doctors, psychologists. That's why I want to have all of my conversations inside a White Duck Outdoors tent. This is what I love about White Duck Outdoors, okay? Their mission has and always will be to give outdoor lovers a way to reconnect with loved ones, friends, and themselves through a sustainably manufactured, durable product that are designed to last a lifetime. And that's what this is. This is the place. This is my home. This is where I'm talking to the greatest people in the world inside of White Duck Outdoor Tent. So if you're interested in checking this out, if you're camping, you just want to set up something in your backyard, take a nap, who knows? You could go to whiteduckoutdoors.com. They have a bunch of different types of tents, obviously, right? They make tents. That's kind of their thing. But a ton of other products. They even have clothes and gear and all sorts of stuff. I'm going to link the tent that I'm in right now in the description of this episode. So if you want to check it out, you can go there or you can just go to whiteduckoutdoors.com. Check them out. And thank you so much for sponsoring the show and making all of this possible. Now let's get back to it. Have any scientists reached out to you to try to sort of like observe or like record any of your
0: experiences? There's been people that reached out to me and and nothing ever became of it on a number of occasions I'm I'm optimistic that somewhere along the line especially with everything going on now in the Mm -hmm. world with the UFO reality with the UAP phenomenon with what we call disclosure and things like that occurring I think it's inevitable and I always make the argument that like the remote viewing program had you know I think 20 million dollars in 20 years but that's back in the 70s to the 90s so Mm -hmm. there was more money back then but you know, I I think that CE5 has more going for it than than the remote viewing program, and they invested that much in the remote remote viewing program. And the the reason I say it has more going for it is because there are a, you know these you have there's tangible objects that that interface during a CE5. So if you had the right equipment set up, you know you should be able to record some of that. Right, And it's, it's it's not perfect all the time because, again, there's people that have been trying to document CE5s for many years, and sometimes they get good footage. Mm-hmm. It's, but it's not all the time. Right. And but it's
2: not this like compelling disclosure that the general public wants it to be.
0: It should be enough that if a scientist was serious and you have an anomaly within the data and you can't figure it out, you have to continue to pursue it.
2: Do you think scientists are sort of scared? scared to approach it because they don't want to risk their professional reputation?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think that, I think that there's probably many more scientists that are curious about it than are willing to admit. But again, we're seeing a huge shift now. We're seeing a lot of that change, you know, thanks to everything that's going on right now. That is the tide is, is turning. Cause I've, you know, maybe not specifically with C five per se, but I definitely with just say the UFO phenomenon, UFO research, I've I've spoken to many academics that have approached me to talk about UFOs.
2: Even just in private, they've personally confided in you, like, "Hey, there's yeah, something they've going reached on out here."
0: Out to me on social media, they've come to events that Jay and I do. They sh- they want to talk about UFOs and and you know participate in events and and things like that. So. There's so many more academics coming on board.
2: And yeah. what is the current state of like UAP affairs? And I obviously there's things with like uh what's his name? Grush, David Grush?
0: David Grush,
2: right? David Grush just had like a massive uh interview basically like disclosing that there's craft and potentially being as well in like US government possession. Right. Can you sort of explain what the state of that is and how that impacts wow. what your work is?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, there's been there's been talk about that over the years. I mean, it's it's in the UFO literature, right? We've all heard about Roswell and stuff. And there's been different witnesses that participated in kind of like saying, oh, you know, this is real. Their credentials are good, but they don't have too much evidence or proof. So it's created this kind of myth in the UFO field. But it's, you know, if you look at all the evidence that's out there in books and reports and everything, like it's there's so much there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that's not true and there's you know potentially you know planted disinformation to lead people astray but also some good stuff there where it's like it makes a good case but you know we have now several insiders for especially the last couple years coming forward saying that they have direct knowledge of programs that are involved with UFO crash retrievals, crash and or landing retrievals and and um, reverse engineering programs or, 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 you know, programs that are made to exploit UFO technology, you know, whether. And so David Grush is is just the latest witness to come forward because we, we've heard things from like Dr. Eric Davis and there was a whole this whole thing. And, you know, you should have a whole podcast on this called the the Wilson Davis memo, because there's a there's a memo that leaked. <laughs> this is another leak that me and my friends were involved with. Right. Somebody else leaked it, but we got our hands on it really early. And at the time I was talking to Dr. Eric Davis. And who's That's Dr. In... Eric Davis? OK, wow. He's, <laughs> you know, he was involved in the OSAP program, mm-hmm. which became a tip. Um, and they were, you know, OSAP was a DIA program to study. UFOs and the paranormal they did a lot at Skinwalker Ranch mm-hmm. kind of what made it what it is today popular you know Robert Bigelow funded it through NIDS and uh, eventually got the contract for OSAP which was an official DIA program so you know Eric Davis is this guy who's like a brilliant scientist and he had I guess some interactions but so he was working on this UFO program Um, But this, this actually, so this, this Wilson Davis memo thing happened before that program even started. So Robert Bigelow set up something called NIDS, the National Institute for Discovery Sciences. And it was not a government program, but, you know, Eric Davis and, and Jacques Vallée and Kit Green and uh, Dr. Hal Putoff were all people who were involved with the intelligence community for decades, right? At least Hal and Kit and others and they had connections in the intelligence community and they knew how to operate within that world and get information where they can and apply those kind of intelligence principles to the UFO phenomenon and ESP and things like that. So they're all studying this and Dr. Eric Davis gets involved and he, he did work with like air force. Um, You know, he's a physicist. So he, um, he had been doing classified work with the air force and stuff, which I don't know if people realize how crazy that is. Mm -hmm. He's a, Crazy brilliant physicist. And he is investigating UFOs for Robert Bigelow and the National Institute for Discovery Sciences with these other really well placed intelligence people. And he ends up getting a meeting with this guy named Admiral Tom Wilson. And the reason they, that Tom Wilson became well known is because in 1997, Dr. Stephen Greer got a meeting with him in the Pentagon april 1997 with the former astronaut dr edgar mitchell um but more importantly this guy named commander will miller and commander will miller was a navy commander he was involved in special access programs super super deep into the classified world you know and uh you know allegedly off the record he was involved with a special access program that was unacknowledged, which is supposedly as like secret as it gets unacknowledged special access program. So they had this meeting in the Pentagon with Admiral Tom Wilson, who was at the time deputy director of the DIA um, and a rear admiral. So they arranged this meeting because commander Will Miller had a very close connection with Thomas Wilson. And they said, listen, you know, you're the deputy director of the DIA. We have knowledge of these programs. Here's evidence. And, you know, um, and they try to give him evidence of, you know, alleged crash retrievals, crash retrieval programs, and all this being hidden and the cover up. So they kind of have a meeting. It was supposed to be like 30 minutes. It ends up being like two hours. He keeps canceling meetings and is amazed because you have an astronaut, you know, Edgar Mitchell, the six man to walk on the moon is there. Mm. And this Navy commander that he knows very well And this doctor Who happens to have these Documents that were leaked to him That probably Not legally but he has them And they have program names and numbers on them And uh, I'll, According to the story Admiral Tom Wilson um, Says I don't know if this is true but I'm going to look into it So he gets back To one of the people that were at the meeting A few months later and says You know you're, What you're saying is, is Is true There are you know He ended up tracking down one of these Special access programs that is dealing with A UFO crash retrieval And reverse engineering And they blocked him out And he was furious He's like I'm the deputy director of the DIA You know I'm J2 Joint chief of staff I mean, I should be running the program. Not this should not. I can't be pushed out of it. So he went to Special Access Program Oversight Committee and spoke to people to um to say, I you know, I want to be read into this thing. This is this is what they're doing is wrong. I should not be blocked out of this. And you know, just I I, I got to remind myself here. Anytime you're talking about the Wilson Davis documents, you have to mention Juliano Marinkovic. He's my good friend who has done an incredible job. Uh, reporting on this, as, along with Joe Merge, UFO Joe. So I just want to put that out there because they look up them and you're going to find archives of information on this with way more detail than I can get into here. So, you know, Wilson reports back to either Edgar Mitchell or, or Commander Will Miller and says, you know, you're right. I, I, I search for these programs with all the power at my disposal as the Deputy Director of DIA and J2 Joint Chiefs of Staff. And I, they they blocked me out, and um, so you skip forward five years to two thousand two. You know, subsequently, you know, Admiral Tom Wilson was told like, listen, if you don't drop this, you can lose a star or retire early. And he wow. backed, and he backed off because, I guess he didn't want that. And because he backed off, maybe I don't know, right? Um, he ended up being the director of the DIA. Shortly after. Wow. Um, maybe because he complied, maybe just because he's very diligent and p- because Admiral Wilson to this day kind of denies this stuff, but everything else and everybody else involved in the entire story, which is many people. And there's lots of evidence points the other way saying that th- this, all this happened. So five years later, when he re- the year, he retires, he, um, he gets in, you know, uh, an inquiry from somebody he knows named Oak Shannon saying, you know, I know this guy, Dr. Davis, and he's, you know, working in the classified world. He's brilliant. He's well-connected. And Oak Shannon arranges a meeting between, um, Tom Wilson and Dr. Davis. And there's a PDF out there that everybody should look up called loose threads that gets, it's like 200 pages, like a book written on this written by Omega point and the hermetic penetrator. Um, you know, omega point is his name is daniel Alizondo. Uh, you should have him on here to talk about this entire thing because it's literally it's highly compelling and it, it explains how we got from you know where we were 30 years ago to here now right with all this um i mean that'd be great yeah you know, it's it's incredible the, the work that they did it's very meticulous research um but so eric davis meets Tom Wilson, according to this memo, which are allegedly notes that Dr. Eric Davis took when he met with Tom Wilson in two thousand two in Las Vegas, so they meet at behind an E. G. and G. building in a car, and Dr. Eric Davis is interviewing Tom Wilson about, you know, his knowledge of these programs, UFO crash retrieval, and and reverse engineering programs, and Tom Wilson is is allegedly, you know. Stating the same story like he says that he found he found the program. The only reason that they contacted him back was because they want to find they want to know how he found them because they he ends up having a meeting with them. And there's a a corporate lawyer, the project manager and a security officer present Um, because he, he goes out to meet the members of this program. And they said, you know, like, how did you find us? That's what they really wanted to know, because. They, they explained like several years ago We were almost caught out by an audit And it almost compromised the entire thing And, you know, they have They said, yes, it's, it's, it is it's a UFO program Because Tom Wilson was expecting them to say No, it's just a cover This is actually just, you know Foreign technology or advanced technology And we're using UFOs kind of like a cover kind of thing he That's what Tom Wilson's expecting And they're like, no, it's not This technology is not made by human hands It's... And they had intact craft, not just, not just like pieces of metal from a crash. Intact craft um, that they can't—they just can't break the technology. It's so compartmentalized that they can never make real progress on it. So every, you know, seven or eight years, they revisit the program, initiate it again, see if they can make any new discoveries with what they had. And the really incredible part of this is—is what some of what David Grush, who. I mean, if you look at this guy's credentials, you know, David Grush came out in his article with uh, Leslie Kane and Ralph Blumenthal in the debrief that he's a whistleblower who was a Air Force veteran and is involved in, you know, with the NRO, the National Reconnaissance Office, which is like so crazy classified. You know, Um, it's like one of the most classified, you know, intelligence apparatuses out there, spy satellites and reconnaissance. And um, NGA, which is the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, and you know what's a, it's a kind of a like caveat in there is that in in the thing they're saying, you know, he was the UAP guy for the NGA. Just the fact that NGA is doing UAP analysis is incredible within itself. Yeah. But this guy's credentials are are impeccable, um, and nobody has disputed his credentials at all. And you know, this guy was involved with with. For the UAP task force. He was like the lead investigator for the UAP task force, and he was trying to see if programs like this exist within the government. And he was involved in, in presidential briefing. So here's a guy who's briefed the President of the United States on UAP, and nobody's disputing any of his, his credentials. And he's saying that when he was doing his investigation with the UAP task force, which preceded um, Arrow, all domain anomaly resolution office which is now the new standing office for UAP investigations within DOD um, he had people come to him that were part of programs they claim and they provided him evidence documents and people are saying pictures of of reverse engineering and crash retrieval programs and when he began to inquire about those programs after finding out about them, he started facing surveillance and, and his security clearances were being messed with. And so, he, you know, under the new NDAA language of 2022 or 23, he, you know, there was supposed to be whistleblower protection. So he filed in a complaint with the, the Intelligence Community Inspector General, you know, saying that, for his inquiry into this, he was facing like reprisals, so that, that kind of made it official. And the and intelligence community inspector general deemed the his his reporting on this urgent and credible, right? And he gave eleven hours of testimony to uh, I guess different people in Congress regarding these issues, which again are crash retrievals and, and technology exploitation programs that are based on UFO technology. And according to his testimony, which is all we have right now, because he, he has evidence, but it was submitted in to, uh, you know, in the classified world, it's not for the public, but he went through official channels. He did it the right way. And now there's an internal investigation on all this. And he's saying that there's intact craft. And again, just, you know he did an excellent segment on news nation with Ross Coulthart, who really did an excellent job covering this and there's a 40 minute interview available on there on a news nation you know if you type in news nation david grush it's going to come up mm-hmm. and he's stating that there are intact crafts and uh, occupants and all the all the evidence that he had he submitted to the proper channels for internal investigation and that's currently ongoing and as a result of that there's Talks now that um, Tim Burchett is a congressman, and he's participating in putting together an oversight committee congressional hearing that's going to inquire into this. Wow. You know, how much of that's going to be classified and what the public is going to get is, is a question. But we've seen more out in the public than I ever expected. And what's what's really crazy is that what I was talking about with the Wilson Davis memo. And, you know, is saying the same things that David Grush is reporting, right? And I, you know, when the Wilson Davis memo thing was kind of going about, before it went really, really public, Lou Elizondo made a statement on um, Fox News with Tucker Carlson when they were talking about recovered objects and, you know, does the U.S. currently possess materials from UFOs? And Lou Elizondo has the famous line simply put, Yes. He believes, right. He can't say he knows it for a fact because, you know, for whatever, you know, plausible deniability, but what he believes simply put, yes. And when Lou made that statement, you know, again, I was talking to Dr. Eric Davis at the time. So I said, you know, can I, can I get an on, on the record comment about what Lou said, Uh, you know, that the U S government's in possession of UFO materials. Because back then, this was like 2019. It was like a huge deal. We're much further now because of all yeah. this.
2: Even in such so a short period of time.
0: Right. Yeah. But but back then, this was like, whoa, Lou Elizondo's you know, saying this. And so I asked Eric Davis for a public comment. I said, you know, I clearly said this is for public use. You know, a statement from you regarding Lou's statement. And his, you know, I'm going to paraphrase here, but I made a graphic. It's on my Twitter and wherever else. You know, he said, you know, Dr. Eric Davis says, You know, Lou's statement about the U.S. being in possession of crashed UFO objects is 1,000% correct. But then he corrected it. He said, wait, hold on. No, put this for the public statement. And he included crashed and landed, which matches exactly what Grush is reporting on now in 2023. Right. And these
2: reverse engineering programs, would that be similar to like what Bob Lazar reportedly was working on?
0: So we don't know 100%. It There's correlations. And I have to say for the record, you know, Dr. Eric Davis has his own opinions of Bob Lazar, and that's the whole thing. So there's controversy even within that. But I think somewhere within the Lazar um, kind of research, he said that, He's not sure, I think, but there there was some kind of thing talking about what those crafts were found during an archaeological dig. And so but could that qualify as landed? Right. Whose are they? Why are they there intact left for us to find or or however that happens? I don't know. You know, Jacques Vallée has called some of these places like the gifting fields. Right. Has this potentially been seeded technology? by non-human intelligence for us to find even fragments, right? Like even crashes. Could that have been a coordinated effort for us to find it and try to recreate it, right? Right. Uh, For, for what purpose? Who knows? Some people speculate that it's for nefarious purposes. Like, Oh, we're going to create weapons and kill each other, or we're going to make a great technology and heal the world. Right. Nobody knows.
2: Right. Who's to say. Yeah. And I remember seeing clips from Grush that he didn't disclose like direct personal experience do you think he has some experiences that were disclosed privately through like the whistleblower program that he didn't disclose to the public through that news nation interview
0: well because it's it's what he was talking about and his and the, the ig the inspector general intelligence community complaint that he put in is currently under investigation so i think part of what he's saying is he can't publicly disclose even some of the details of the reprisals because they're it's under investigation. So he can't compromise the investigation by reporting anything else than what he said. Right. And I think that has to do with more of the treatment that he's gotten and, and things that have happened with, you know, him being involved in this.
2: Yeah. And how do you view the intersection between David Fravor's account and these tic tacks that have been reported on the record from Uh, different military personnel Grush's account and then your personal experiences through CE5 is it possible that some of these entities experiences crafts are of different intelligence are they of are they all of the same thing how do you reconcile that what do you think yeah
0: my my personal opinion and because even during some of these different experiences I felt different like signatures or they had different kind of qualities to different experiences So I think even during like a CE5, you can have different types of encounters within that just alone. Mm -hmm. And within the entire UFO phenomenon, I think my personal opinion is that we're, we're quite possibly dealing with a number of different intelligence, whether that means some are extraterrestrial, some are interdimensional, some are extradimensional, some people that report. Uh, some kind of entity encounters actually something that has nothing to do with UFOs, but is a spiritual or metaphysical entity. I think that like, that's why we need to investigate this so seriously because these experiences are ongoing. They've been reported. Some have been documented well, and we don't truly understand them. Now, I think that there may be some programs that could say otherwise because they have bodies and they can determine X, Y, Z from that and we're, you know, we're not being told. Um, right. Which is kind of wrong in my opinion. Mm -hmm. At the same time, they're telling people that this doesn't exist. You know, it's like really loaded. It's like telling somebody who's had like a, an experience with racism, racism at work that, (laughs) that they didn't really experience that or like a victim had a, an experience and say that never happened. Like, right. That's so wrong.
2: Especially when they have evidence that those things do occur and have been yes. occurring. And yeah. then they still intentionally are sort of gaslighting the people that have experienced it.
0: I mean, think of the damage that does psychologically. Um And then you're training the regu- the rest of the populace to follow suit. Like that is so right wrong.
2: Yeah. And there's a lot of things that are happening simultaneously, right? Where there's uh you know, people like you that are having C5 experiences, there's people that are having abduction experiences, there's people that are having schizophrenic episodes right. that are completely figments of their imagination. There are people that are having uh, military experiences, experiencing craft, people that right. are seeing entities. And
0: and the- people that, I mean, I think that there's also, there are programs that that. Like, we know that we have psychotronics, right? The US government and other governments. So, there's also. What do you mean, psychotronics? So, psychotronic weapons or non lethals is the euphemism are technologies that can alter your mind through radio waves, frequencies that have nothing to do with UFOs. Right. That are part of this mix, too, part of disinformation. Right. So, it's like you have all that's a.
2: So, it's all happening. It could be different types of entities, different types of intelligence. Alternate reality, interstellar uh, experience, all potentially happening simultaneously that people in the general public are all trying to group as one thing. And by attempting to group it as one thing, it's almost easier to discard it altogether because they're inconsistent with each other, even though they could be separate things altogether.
0: Yeah. And then you see like infighting in the fields, like the UFO people don't want to deal with the psychic people, the ESP people. That's changed now. The new generation of researchers are way more open-minded. I think they see the connected dots, and or
2: that they're not connected as much as people would like right, to say. Right, right, right.
0: And you know, and but there's also the like the argument that that this there there is some kind of singular aspect to all these phenomena, and it's misleading us all and. You know, so it's there's a it's all like kind of all of the above, man, and I don't and want a it spiritual to a-
2: component and so many different yeah. things. There's a historical component, people looking at the pyramids, and all of these things that are happening simultaneously that is causing a lot of frustration in the community, infighting. Yeah, but the ultimate consensus is that there's something that is existing outside of our consensus reality that is still very real. Yeah, yeah, that's sure. that's wild.
0: Yeah, it is. It's I mean, again, I think you know that's why you know i say kind of like the transformative quality of of this it's not you know even you know having an encounter is one thing but you know even you know looking into these realities can alter your perception right so like if you're a truth seeker and you're like taking this seriously it can also kind of open your mind like in the positive sense right like for forget about the negative stuff the implications for a minute and just say I think this, these things have the ability to open our minds and, and make us think bigger and broader and, and maybe in that, get closer to truth. Mm. Um, That can be scary for a lot of people. It can. To,
2: to say, Hey, our present reality, there could be other realities or extensions of our reality. And that's a lot to handle.
0: And, and it's something Lou Elizondo said too, is like, you know, you're, what if you were told that basically everything that you were ever taught was not true? religion school everything you learn in school and religion's all wrong and you know that's so destabilizing right. imagine a,
2: or isn't the whole truth <laughs> right
0: right right it's, it's a misperception or you know um you know and I'm um, imagine unleashing that upon a populace or you know telling the world like hey there's these entities that can come in and do whatever they want they can read your mind They can influence your thinking they can abduct you <laughs> they can abduct you so i you know that's a that's a kind of really heavy thing, like, are we ready for that? But at the same time, if it's reality, why would we not be better off informed? Right. And
2: who's a government or a guy in a suit to tell you, hey, you can't know all the reality. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's like, that's, that's not right.
2: Yeah. Well, you got to get to work. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: But this oh, was, man.
2: this was wonderful. I really appreciate it. I know that there's from the general population and me being sort of like a lay person that's not in the community, there can be a lot of like skepticism and judgment and closeness for all the reasons that we just mentioned. And I just want to say, I'm very impressed and uh, grateful for your bravery just to like speak about this and sort of share your experiences uh, and taking the time and patience with me to sort of explain the things you've been with, you know, considering I don't really know too much.
0: Yeah. Well, I appreciate you being open to it and listening and taking things into consideration yeah you know because it's 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 you know in the UFO, the ufo world is like a little bubble we can rant at each other in an echo chamber all day but unless other people are willing to engage and and participate in the conversation it's not going to go anywhere absolutely you know and you know thankfully with everything going on we're seeing more of that happen and you know people like you are participating in opening that up so, absolutely yeah, thank you
2: well thank you for taking the time and uh, as things unfold in the future which i'm sure that they will uh, i would love to have you back we can talk about it more
0: yeah, for sure. I'm always I'm always in town, so to speak. So, you know.
2: Amazing. Thank you, brother.
0: Thanks, man.